Reach for the sky, boy. Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 42. With us again, Mr. John J. Wolf. And how are you doing tonight, John? Feeling really good. Uh, almost exhausted after that long four-hour uh, episode we put together just last time. Yeah, how are I, you doing, man? I didn't realize it was four hours until I started editing it and I saw the number. I'm like, ooh, I'm in for a long one. <laughs> Fuck but, yeah, it was, it was fun, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, it was fun. First one of the year. We had a lot to talk about, so uh, I am doing good as well. Uh, yeah. before we start our review of GCW 56 nights, um, we just kind of wanted to make mention and acknowledge, uh, the passing of Jay Briscoe from, uh, AW ring of honor. And obviously we've seen him before on GCW as well. Uh, pretty crazy. Like just in a car accident out of nowhere, out of the blue. And, uh, just kind of crazy seeing all the fans and, other wrestlers too how much they loved him and everything and all the respect he got but uh yeah it was a shocking day the other day when we uh i think we learned about it like the day i was editing the podcast so i couldn't go back and put anything in there so that's why i, I we just kind of decided today just kind of make a quick mention acknowledge it um I just got like one little quick story with Briscoe to show how like awesome he was to at least me, the fans. And I never had any bad interaction with them. But the one that kind of sticks out is I saw him after a Ring of Honor show in Las Vegas at Samstown. And instead of uh, just rushing out and leaving and trying to beat the traffic, I was like, before the show, I played some poker and won some money. And then I was like, you know what? Let me go test my luck again after the show and kind of... uh let the crowd die out. But on my way to the poker room, I stopped at the bar and saw the Briscoes and their wives. And they're just sitting at the bar enjoying themselves. So I kind of sat two two or three probably chairs next to him at a machine and ordered a drink. And then like I walked over to them. I'm like, hey, like I don't want to intrude on you guys. I know you guys are just hanging out, but like, can I just buy you guys a drink just to kind of show you like appreciation of what you guys did tonight and stuff like that? And they were like, no, man, no, brother. Like, Jay, Jay goes like, no, brother, we'll buy you a drink. And Mark's like, yeah, it's on us. We're going to buy you. I'm like, no. Like, uh-huh. you guys are here with your family. I just want to just buy you guys a quick little round of drinks. What are you guys drinking? And they're like, oh, okay. And so I bought them the drinks and everything. And that's why I'm walking away. They're like, you're not you're not going to enjoy the drinks with us and hang out? And that's how like, cool they were. They wanted to like just be a random fan to hang out with uh, him and his – or both of them and their wives and kind of – just have a drink and kind of talk, but I didn't want to, I felt uncomfortable just because their wives were there and stuff like that. And I didn't want to, right. Right. Cause it's probably like family time too, after a show and stuff. But, uh, I just bought them the drinks. And I was walked away and like, they told me to come back. I was like, no, it's okay. Enjoy it. Just thank you guys. A little token of my appreciation for everything you guys do with us. And both of them, Jay and Mark came over and like did the bro hug with the handshake and like pulled me in and gave me like a nice little squeeze. But you could tell like they were actually very grateful to be recognized for all their hard work and stuff like that. So it was kind of nice just seeing them treat a fan that way and be that like just personable to a fan. Cause I've had a couple interactions with some other wrestlers and like, yeah, they can't couldn't be bothered 
at all, which I understand. Like there is a time and place to take pictures and stuff like that. And but it was just very nice to seeing how Jay was and stuff like that. Seeing how like Effie, because the whole controversy with uh, Jay Briscoe, not a big controversy, like a pretty big controversy of why he's not, they weren't working with AEW because of his past comments and stuff. But seeing like Effie and Pollo Delmar and other wrestlers like kind of give positive credence and positive words about Jay's passing was uh, very nice to see and kind of like, if they're able to forgive him for whatever actions that he did and saying said whatever he said, like who am I or like who are us other fans like sit there to hold it against him because it didn't it wasn't towards us. So it was kind of nice and reassuring to hear those other words from like Effie and Poyo Demar and other wrestlers. I think to kind of like not I don't know about forgive him or whatever what he said, but just to kind of acknowledge like hey he's changed like everybody changed. We all say stupid stuff and hurtful stuff and everything like that but if you sh- he showed he changed it's kind of nice to see that his change ways made an impact on those other wrestlers as well yeah and the people who are standing up for him there are the people who are more or less the leaders in the gay independent wrestling movement and um that was really nice to see honestly outside of that one small thing I personally have no stories but I really enjoyed their work all over the independent scene especially in Ring of Honor and I'm one of those people that, boy, really wish to have seen them on major network TV just to get them and their families that money, especially now. Yeah. So um, that is really all I really wanted to say was that I appreciated his work and his brother's work a thousand percent. And we had our little draft and you and I were fighting hard to pick for the Briscoes because they're just such a solid, entertaining team. They're most capable of anything you could ever ask of them and this passing is a huge loss for wrestling and uh it's a family man so that really hurts so prayers to the family and uh geez mark poor mark um that was the day yeah I, I just too right it's just there's so much that i don't i can't touch too much of it because i'm just i don't know what to say but that's what i wanted to say was i appreciated the work Ring of Honor was absolutely fantastic, and I wish they would have had more time on TV to make more money, especially now. Yeah, like I've I've seen them oof over 20, 30 times, I think, live just because all the Ring of Honor shows they did out here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. But actually, like the one match that really sticks out and that I'm not just saying this because it's our GCW podcast, but their match at the UCC against... um, uh, second gear crew uh, sgc yeah. yeah manson justice uh that was one of the craziest matches not just tag matches but like one of the craziest matches i've seen in person ever like i, I think i told you whenever i was talking to you about the whole j pass and i think it was like i put it top five of matches i've ever seen live like just the intensity wow. yeah. the gcw feel the how crazy their their match was and everything was just fun and i remember looking at my wife like after the show i was like that was incredible like that was one of the funnest matches i couldn't stop talking about that match just because how how great they were and stuff like that but and then seeing them yeah like i didn't know (laughs) 38 years old that's one year older than me and stuff so yeah (laughs) so that on top of everything kind of hurt a little bit more and stuff like that but um yeah rest rest in peace jay briscoe um Thank you for everything that you, your brother, yes. have done for wrestling, for me as a fan and stuff like that. And hopefully Mark is okay with everything as well. And that's got to be uh, 
tough for him to handle, especially as we said, like it happened the day before his birthday and stuff. But um, Tony Khan seems to kind of do some nice stuff for seems already did some nice things for the Briscoes and stuff like that. I was actually just thinking maybe they should keep like a shirt, like a Dem Boy shirt, like at these Ring of Honor shows. Just I'll have it always be there. Like a, you can still go to a WWE like show. a Stone Cold shirt. And that's exactly what I was going for. You yeah. can still go get an Austin three sixteen shirt at any WWE show you go to. So it'd be kind of nice of like maybe have like a little fund in his name. So anybody that buys like a Dem Boy shirts goes to like a fund or something like that to either support the Briscoe family or something that they decided to give money to and stuff like that. I just think it would be a nice way to kind of let the legacy live on and stuff like that. So going into GCW 56 nights, it is the first show of the new year, 2023. And once again, from the carousel ballroom at the showboat in Atlantic city, New Jersey. And I was obviously the only thing I really was looking forward to this. Well, there's two things, the Leon, Leon Slater versus Nick Wayne and the Rumble match. I was wondering where they would go with the Rumble and stuff like that. And this was a fun show. A lot of, a lot of cool booking storyline possibilities that happened. We kind of talked about a little off air, some things that we thought of, but I think with the Rumble and the way the whole card played out, they, they seem to be going to a lot of different storylines, like kind of how we've been asking for. It's not just one big one around Nick Gage. It's... They got storylines going all over the place, and I'm interested to see uh, what happens in the year 2023 with the storylines off GCW, because this was a great start to uh, make this fan happy for seeing storylines in GCW. Yeah, um, I think it's been ever since that acquisition with Fight TV, we've really seen how all these video packages have been coming out, a little more of the storylines have been coming out. And for people like us who was talking a lot about it, it was um, it's exactly what we asked for. So 100 percent thankful. It has created layers and depth to the characters, and it brings a a sense of importance to GCW when you see a good looking video package. And I know there's a couple people who kick in there. They do a fantastic job of uh, delivering good work to GCW. Yeah, uh the the once again those stories the videos that they're playing just doing an awesome job to relay these stories to fans that are new to GCW as you said with the fight TV package and stuff so I really like what they've been doing there as well but I think with the storylines too it's ad- adding a lot more questions in my mind like I'm questioning results of matches like as it's happening I'm like in a good way not like why did they do that I'm like. Yeah, why did they do that? Where is that going to lead to? I'm very interested to see what happens with these storylines. So um, I am all for it. And this was this was a very fun night, in my opinion, of watching this show. And for the first show of the year, I think it's a very good way to start the new year off and to kind of set the tone for what the rest of 2023 is going to look like. All right. So let's see here. Masha and Cole. So to me, I noticed that the crowd was somewhat quiet. It was very odd. In the beginning of this, I don't know why. I don't know for what reason. I just noticed it was there. I thought maybe people were still coming into arena, which normally is always happening. This place tends to take uh, maybe a match or two, and then they fill out a lot more. People are over at the bar. People are, you know, you know, coming in from say the casino, recovering from last night. (laughs) Shit, pre gaming before the before the show even starts at the JCW show that happened before that too. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot going on around there, and people aren't always known for being on time anymore, it seems. So, (laughs) 
for me, it just I noticed it was really a hard hitting style match. There was plenty of back and forth. I, it was a lot of pure wrestling. You're not going to see weapons that was really involved that often. Uh, the first two minutes was mostly in ring wrestling. A lot of holds. They had a wrist lock that was going for quite a while. Interestingly, minute three and four, there was brawling outside the ring. But yeah, that's all I really have to report because, again, it was just such an interesting kind of muted wrestling match for an opener. Very different from the GCW style. However, knowing what match was next with Nick Wayne and Leon Slater, I have a feeling they put a real wrestling match like this up front from the get go so that there was some contrast between that first and second match and looking at the rest of the card i think i understand now why he put that there and i believe it was for that contrast otherwise it would really have been awkward to have a scramble then go to nick queen and leon slater and still have as much impact as those two had so for storytelling purposes match one actually helped feed match two that's what i'm thinking yeah, see, I thought the scramble was going to be first just because it had implications on what happened with the winner for the Rumble, which I was assuming would was going to be the last match of the night. So I thought maybe they would just kind of get the scramble done early, but also like give it time to tell a pretty fun story as it did anyway. But I, as we said, the kind of normal GCW uh, hot start would be to have that all-star scramble to start it off. And then kind of I thought they were going to do the scramble, then maybe Macho versus Cole like kind of like you said, this kind of went from a little bit down energy wise to building up and building up where I kind of was going to start off hot, then kind of go down and then bring it back up right, again with right. the third match of Leon versus Nick. But um, yeah, I, and I was wondering how crazy this match was going to get too, just because of both of them kind of can get a little ultra violent and extreme themselves. And after what Masha did the night before, I was definitely thinking, uh, you kind of keep that little hot streak going with being uh, ultraviolet and Cole Radrick and AC. I thought at least some kind of fuckery would come out, but I'm actually really glad nothing did because everything that Masha went through the night before, she didn't have to go through it again. And as you said, it was a different match. It was not hard hitting and it did stay in the ring. And I was fine with it because it kind of led up to the rumble later on in the night and stuff like that. And kind of, uh, more made sense more a lot uh made sense to me a lot more later on in the night than it did earlier in the night but i was actually kind of surprised that masha did pick up the victory over cole after everything that's kind of gone on with cole radrick since he's lost the extreme title seems like he's kind of gone down with the momentum and stuff like that i kind of wish they would pick up a couple victories here and kind of lift up his uh momentum to kind of get back into some sort of title scene but i'm fine with masha slamovich winning because she's been on a roll lately she has the momentum right now so why not keep her momentum going if cole doesn't have any currently going on and yeah i can't complain with this match as a good solid opener just as you said a different kind of style so two things i was noticing number one yeah cole is working on getting himself into a storyline somewhere i hope soon but what i'm noticing is that on twitter He's getting ready to start kicking himself in gear and start working out and getting himself back to old Cole. And I think that's going to be a fantastic thing for him also. Um, with Masha, yeah, it seems to be push time. It looks like the fans love her. GCW's booking her in spots where she can be featured. I'm behind it. Like I said, I wasn't the hugest, the biggest Masha fan initially. And then I watched some and she kind of grew on me and now she won me over. I'm really wondering where this is going to go and i'm looking forward to it 
there could be a lot of really interesting things here. Maybe she needs to meet up with Allie and they need to have a little clash. They had a pretty good one on Impact when Allie Catch came up, like went against uh, Masha for... Yeah, like the, bring it to GCW. Your poison or something like that, I think it was. And yeah, they had a pretty good match on Impact, so I would definitely like to see them run it back with GCW with a little bit more GCW leeway. style too. Exactly. I'm going to say a little bit more leeway with the... Because then it get, kind of get like extreme and not ultra-violent for Impact, but for an Impact match, it kind of did get a little nuts. Where I would kind of like to see, as you said, the GCW kind of style of extreme wrestling and with the... Uh, with Ali Catch and Masha, that would be a fun match. So our winner ended up being Masha Slamovich with the White Knight Driver. This was about an eight-minute match. Again, more or less a warm-up. It was giving us something of a taster until match two happened here. So for me, it just felt like here was the ramp before we made that jump. And the crowd kind of the same way. Maybe I was even thinking the crowd may have come in a touch late. And this match was put on just to, you know, keep things going. And then, boom, here we go. Possibly Nick Wayne and Leon Slater could have set this thing off. However, I think they're too much too early. I kind of like how they put something legit, I want to say. When it comes to real wrestling, I call it legit. They put something legit in front of that. And I think the contrast really did make Wayne and Slater pop even more. I've repeated myself, but it, it's just <laughs> that's what I have to say. But it did pop because, uh, yeah, second matchup of the evening is one Nick Wayne going against Leon Slater. The other match we've been asking to see Leon in since we first saw him. And, yeah, as you said, this match, in my opinion, popped. It was everything I thought it would be. <laughs> if not, the fans got into it actually a little bit more than I expected. I thought they would kind of be a little bit down just because it's after the day after New Year's. And as you said, after seeing kind of how they were during the first match, I was like, oh, no, this is not going to get... The crowd all hyped up as much as it what as I thought it should have been, but they definitely stepped up. They made this match uh, even more entertaining by just the enthusiasm and energy and chanting all the chants for both wrestlers was awesome. And Nick Wayne and Leon definitely stepped up. I to be eighteen and under in this match and seeing how fluid and solid they both were, I I'm so excited for both their futures in this match. I'm so glad we got to see it instead of missing out on it and catching it years later at some other promotion. I'm very glad it kind of happened now in, in GCW and especially in AC just because they are known to be the best GCW fans. In my opinion is what I think out there. They have the best GCW fans and um, everything on this match was fantastic. I loved it. You know, Nick Wayne, Leon Slater, this is exactly what we asked for quite a while ago. It was answered. Somehow our prayers were answered on this one. The fans, I would say about 80 to 85% of the current fans now know who Leon Slater is. I mean, it took a couple shows, but now they're getting him. I can tell by the reaction that they know who he is or who they, you know, who he isn't. Because if you know who Leon, it's like Commander. Are you ever going to be mad that Commander walks out that stage? Fuck no. Same situation with Leon Slater. As long as you know what he's capable of, you know you're about to get an exciting match. This is how that was. Same thing. This is what the fans were doing. Nick fucking Wayne chants, Leon Slater chants, back and forth, back and forth with the crowd. The crowd did come alive during this match, especially during like this intense stare down that happened just in the beginning. Also, I noticed both similar age, similar height, similar weight, similar build. We're looking at something very... I don't, I don't, 
I don't have a good word for it. I said similar too many freaking times. It's but. like wrestling against yourself. Like and look in the mirror yeah. and they're each other. Like they uh, just, as you said, that stare down, you could just see the similarities was mm-hmm. almost everything. <laughs> yeah. And they could have played it up in, in some little way. Like, Oh, I I'm supposed to be the next big thing. Well, no, I'm supposed to be the next big thing. Da, 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 da. If there was time, that would have been a nice little play there to kind of give it more importance. Minute five, basically all hell broke loose and both men start bringing out their arsenal of offense. Fast pace, flips everywhere. This was really what I was expecting in the match. Uh, We didn't mention it too much, but the first four minutes was real wrestling. There was a pace to it. I told my wife, she was sitting beside me, we were watching. I said, this is not what I really expected, but I'm happy to see it because it's showing that not only can they go 100 miles an hour, but they can handle 40 miles an hour and keep it there perfectly. It's like when you get off the highway, you go from 70 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour, and then you get on a street and it's 35. It's really hard to keep it at 35 once you get off a highway sometimes. This is the same thing. These kids just want to go, go, go. And they really held that pace down. And then at minute five, boom, when it exploded, it looked great. Seven minutes in, there was dueling chance back and forth. They're really loved equally. We got both these guys chance from the crowd. Minute eight, the crowd completely was just blown up at that point. GCW chance were all over. This is awesome. Chance were all over. The carousel, the carousel room was fully awake at this point, and it just sounded wonderful. The only spot I really wanted to mention that, you know, Slater had a beautiful blue thunder power bomb that I thought was fantastic. And that's what I'm going to say about it before I announce the winner or before you announce the winner. What are you thinking about this match? I, yeah, as you said, like the crowd, when they started getting into it and start chanting GCW, like I just was thinking of all the fun matches that either these couldn't, these two can run back again or what they're going to do in the future with the other opponents and stuff like that. Cause I definitely want to see a lot more. <laughs> we see Nick Wayne all the time, but like Leon Slater needs to start becoming a regular. Hopefully, hopefully he's out here for a little bit longer time. But, and with all the young talent that GCW has, it just, it's always fun because we always talk about young talent and it just, this match kind of shined the light on exactly how, uh, how lucky we are to kind of see them before they even hit their prime, but to see how good they are while still going into their prime. I just can't wait to see what both of these two uh, future has in store for GCW or for other companies as well. Yeah. I feel like we got a sneak peek at a main event just 15 years early. Yes. feel special. So our winner here ended up being Nick Wayne. He ended up going with double clout cutters. He hit one, then he hit it the second one. So they ended up calling it double trouble. For me, this thing was exciting. And the fa- the fans were just, they went, they, they kind of just rushed up to the mat and they just started pounding the shit out of the mat. They're chanting both these guys, both these guys in the ring. Wayne and Slater kind of play like they have a little bit of static, but in the end, they end up hugging. So we kind of get that happy ending. We started getting please come back chants for Leon Slater. And that means that as far as Brett can, he's going to help hopefully make sure that the fans get what they want again. And I'm right there with him. I hope we get Leon Slater back here as soon as possible. He's so exciting. And it's just another puzzle piece and a feather in our cap at GCW. And for fans, it's just another performer we can be proud of that's on our show. Yeah. And I, I did forget one thing, too. I for, like I really enjoyed how they didn't have to go all aerial 
attack, attack, attack. As you said, they kind of slowed it down and told a good story at the beginning. And even during the middle and end, they kind of did like a lot of cool spots to kind of play up Leon's, like, I think it was his leg or ankle injury and stuff. And they both just showed like how good they are on, on the mat as well. So, um, yeah, they definitely have to bring both of them back, run it back somehow. And that's kind of like the seal of approval too from the fans. Once they got to get up and run off their seat and go slam the mat because they're so excited, like that's like a yeah, big stamp yeah. of approval for me. Cause that's what I saw once they did during the um speedball Willie Mac <laughs> Willie Mac match. They did that like twice during the match. As the match was going on, they ran up and started hitting the mat. And like you could tell Brett tell the people, back up, back up, and it happened twice. So uh yeah, these this is gonna be fun twenty twenty three with Nick Wayne and Leon uh Leon Slater, uh hopefully in a GCW ring a lot more often this year. And then next we end up going to a video package that hypes up the do or die scramble that happens later tonight. I only mention it because I just wanna say, well done. Just echoing what we talked about earlier. These video packages do mean a lot and the production value it it just it makes everything seem that much more important, and it gets the fans who are there to listen hype. We want to see it, I, and it gives like an explanation of why this scramble is kind of going to be important because it's six top tier names in GCW fighting for the best possible spot you can ask ask for in a rumble match, the last entry. And we all know kind of like whoever wins that match is going to be challenging for the GCW uh, world title, whatever they want. So I think that that video package did awesome job giving all the competitors a nice little spotlight before the match started. So, so that way, if you're a fan of one of them, or maybe you don't know any of them, you became a fan of hopefully one of them going into this match after seeing that video package showcasing all six of this talent. I just wanted to mention it also because my wife who doesn't watch religiously, it helps catch her up on what's going on. And yeah, then I don't have to explain it. So I appreciate that too. <laughs> yes. It does help out. I, I found myself, like I said, the night before on New Year's, watching it with my wife, uh, like one or two of the video packages kind of said everything that I could have said <laughs> a little bit more. Better. Pro- yeah, exactly. Better than me. That's for sure. Because I'll just say the same point over and over and over again. But this do or die six way scramble match between Blake Christian, Alec Price, Joey Janela, Jordan Oliver, Tony Deppin and Willie Mack. For the chance to enter the rumble at number 30. Wow. This scramble was incredible. <laughs> like they've been mm-hmm. doing scrambles awesome as of late, just period. But I think this one is right up their top three scrambles I've seen. It was fantastic. The names alone are amazing names to have in the scramble. And all the talent in this match, you can pretty much couldn't go wrong and they both showcased or not both they all showcased their talents like inside the ring but also like their character charismatically with the facial reactions the saying the planes to the crowd and stuff like i just loved how this match kind of hit was all over the place but in a good way and let every uh wrestler showcase all of their talents so yeah the importance here was the winner of the rumble came in at number 30 or the winner of this came in at number 30 i'm so sorry deppin came out with tassels on his shirt i don't know what that meant maybe it was just the 80s kid thing i'm not sure i don't know how old he is willie again not as well received as the west coast but i'm noticing the east coast has get him and the east coast does get him and further in this match you can see he's making fans 
we'll, we'll talk about that maybe a little further here. But Jordan, he looks cut. Whatever he's doing's worked. I hope he's proud of himself. You can see it. And um, I hope he continues it because you can tell that's somebody who cares about himself and takes himself serious in what he's doing with his size, with his height. I think that it's not going to be too long before he eventually finds himself on bigger stages, too. So he's another one that as long as he keeps putting in hard work, he could find himself somewhere soon. Yeah, I know you said, too, like AEW, they could have like a little package with uh, Jordan and Nick there of having great tag team and great... uh. And great singles competitors all in one. Um, yep. Yeah, I would like to like. I would like to see him kind of get the same treatment as Al, uh, Nick Wayne's going um, with all the bigger companies with being a prodigy and like kind of like a prospect. Because just in this match alone, you got Alec Price could be with any company within the next year, and Blake Christian kind of already is with Ring of Honor and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully Jordan gets some looks by some of these bigger companies, but. He, he hasn't had a bad match in over a year. Like every match, win or lose, has been very entertaining and different. And you see the improvement that he does each and every match. There's, he always does some sort of wrinkle to uh, showcase all the hard work that he's been doing. So it is kind of nice still seeing him get these chances to uh, make a bigger name for himself in GCW. I'm going to brag just for a moment because my man Alec Price comes out. He's getting the Alec Price chance from the crowd. I want to brag because he's he's getting over now even more and more. And I was saying that Alec Price on the East Coast is over like crazy. And I hope that continues. That attitude that he has, I'm curious to see how it's really going to go over on the West Coast. I do believe it will over time. But the East Coast, the Northeast, they really like that attitude. So he really goes up there nicely. They have chance now that they remember, you know, um, what was it? whatever because he's garbage Uh, and everybody's saying that and it made me feel good because that's that's what i wanted to see i wanted to see someone like alec really flourish and it seems like he's getting there also when i see jordan up against alec alec looks like jordan three years ago body wise it's it's almost like you can see the difference there and you can see the difference between how much work that um Oliver has put in. That's nothing against Alec. I believe Alec's a little younger and or Alec's just who Alec is. But, you know, when you're working on weights like Jordan Oliver is, it's going to show. And this is one of those matches where Jordan looked obviously larger. And I like seeing that because, again, we're really big fans of his. But yeah, for me, I was just happy that Alec Price is going over like crazy because the more he goes over, the more I have the potential to see him. I think he's fantastic, and he is another future champion. It's just a matter of when and where. That's how I feel. And we kind of talked like we would like to – I think Alec Price and Jordan could have a pretty crazy like independent wrestling rivalry because they're both on the East yeah, Coast yeah. with Jordan calling himself the East Coast Ace and uh, Alec Price, the Price City OG, I think. Between both of the in-ring styles, um, the crowd reaction, the look of everything, like yeah, you could do a nice little couple months storytelling with this with the, those two because they're very similar. And I think just like Jordan, Alec Price has been killing it, not having bad matches, and he's going up against some big names too. This uh, in 2022, some a lot of big names. And I know he's got they got Leo Rush coming up here um, for Beyond Wrestling in 2023. So that's just another feather in his cap, uh, right? 
of competitors uh, that he's going to be wrestling against. And uh, I did forget at the beginning, I like how all the wrestlers were just laughing once again at Blake getting booed at and all the reactions that Blake gets. Blake actually <laughs> trying to own it and, and uh, enjoy the moment this time. But it's just funny watching all the other wrestlers kind of watch him kind of squirm and be uncomfortable with everything that is going on. Yeah, he's in that spot now where the fans are making him a heel. And so that's what Blake's had to do. He lost control of his character. The fans are making him the character that they want him to be. I think that's what's going on right now. There's a little bit of shaping. I think we're beating the dog until the dog does exactly what we want that dog to do. I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying this is one where, uh, the, you know, the, the student became the master and, and yeah. vice versa. It's really interesting. But yeah, that I think I think Blake's character is totally fan driven right now. And that's not a horrible thing. I think if he finds his approach to be, I don't know, effective, which which he's getting there, I think he'll be good then. And see, I'm willing to give him all the time in the world to find what he wants to do in this heel character because he needs to just, as we talked about, he needs to change it up. And I think this would be great work to kind of showcase his ability to transition between uh, good guy, bad guy, face heel, and seeing him kind of, as you said, go into the full heel work. It's it was kind of refreshing to see him, even though his move set was still kind of the same. The attitude was a little different. I think that even mm-hmm. just a little bit was kind of a nice change of pace of seeing what Blake Christian has in store, and possibly if he goes back to this grave, grave heart gimmick or whatever he plans on going. Because I think it's time, like just a little, just a little refresh and. I'm glad he's kind of owning it and willing to accept it and go with it this time and show us hopefully what he originally had store in his heel run that he was going to go use against Moxley. Yeah, for him, he's always been characterized by his jackets. And I like the Graveheart idea. I don't know where he's going to go next. But right now, with the heat that he has, just going with his name without any type of a character... For right now can work for him i i think he should maybe just ride what the fans are doing and if that heat kind of starts to cool off a little then he needs to pick up something in the way of a name and and try to run with that gimmick but again he just comes off like one of those guys that he's just so himself that for him to be anything other than would seem fake yeah yeah that's and that's what we were saying when he was doing it it seemed kind of yep yep. like forced and forced i don't think we said fake but it seemed kind of forced which is kind of the same thing but um as the night kind of progresses we see a lot more of what Uh is in store for blake and i i like uh, when we get to the point i I told you the nope i'll say it uh during the review later on but like i kind of was like i i want to see it just just go just go in with it because your tease the tease is these last two nights of this gcw shows was a good enough tease where I'm like, yeah, you just need to dive all in and show me. Lean in on it, brother. Yep. And I'm I'm just lean in for the sake and depth of his character. I think it makes sense for him to just lean in. And it looks like he is leaning into it. So the more the merrier on that one, especially if he's trying to find himself, it looks like the fans are trying to help him. Honestly, Uh, the one spot I wanted to mention this match, Deppen had a fantastic leaping bulldog from the ring and onto the floor. I have never seen that performed in that way before. So, um, also, Willie, with this heavy chop to the chest on Alec, the sound was incredibly loud. It, I mean, it was like silence, crack, silence. Then you heard the fans react to it. And yeah, again, Willie Mac, Willie Mac chance. This is where they really turned on and understood who he is. 
and he's another one I'm pulling for him because I think I understand him and I'm hoping that others understand him too. He's a hell of a worker. Yeah. And Tony Depp, going back to your Tony Depp thing, I think he had a lot of uh, cool spots during this match and a lot of uh, time oh, to yeah. shine and showcase what he can do in the scramble. And I, I was, it was exciting watching him kind of interact with Alec Price and Jordan and the, the moves that he was doing to kind of have them both attack each other when they were teaming up, teaming up to go against him. I thought, that just kind of showed his ring awareness and uh, uh, kind of veteran mentality that he has to kind of see all that coming. I thought, I think he does a good job of playing like the old, I, we, we say gatekeeper, but I don't want it to be a derogatory. Like he's so smart with everything in the ring and when to utilize things. And he, this was another great match of his to kind of showcase just how smart he is in the ring and kind of show his ring generalship as well. Um, Willie Mack. Yeah. I, don't think I've seen him in a scramble ever, so I was kind of interested to see how he would do in that kind of setting. But his talent just fit right in with all the other talents in this match, and he he had his nice moments to shine as well during this. And I was kind of glad seeing the AC crowd, I just said, warm up to him and kind of start giving him some of the chance and love that LA crowd has because, like I've said before, the last two LA shows he's been, he's been on, other than Nick Gage, he's definitely the most over person of the night other than Nick Gage. And that's saying something with all the talent that GCW puts on their LA shows. So I don't think it's derogatory um, necessarily. I get what you're saying and where you're coming from. I think what's going on is it's like wrestling is chess. And one of the best chess players is Tony Deppin. So when a new chess player comes into the game, they want to see what level he's at. And, you know, Deppin's just one of those people is at the top level. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's like, that's he's a good way there. to shine it. So the one thing I wanted to mention, I didn't have many notes on it. I think it was because he was semi quiet, but I don't have much on Joey Janela in this match. Yeah, Joey was kind of, I mean, the, the one really cool spot I remember Joey doing was um, the suplex spot that on Willie Mack, like that strength that he has to get Willie Mack for the vertical suplex. Um was pretty impressive because I didn't think Joey would be able to lift Willie Mack up for that vertical suplex. But for me as like, kind of like that was the one shiny moment in my opinion of Joey doing this match. And they kind of did the, he had the funny spot where he grabbed Jordan's face outside the ring. And like, Jordan's like, what are you doing with that? And Joey's like, look, I'm you, I'm young, dumb and broke. <laughs> that's like, right. That yes. Here. <laughs> and then that's when Blake Christian just dove on everybody on the outside. So yeah, Joey was kind of, off to the side, which I'm fine with. He kind of let everyone else get their shine in. He didn't really need it, but that vertical suplex definitely surprised the shit out of me. So our winner in this one ended up being Blake Christian, heel Blake Christian, with a curb stomp on Alec Price while he was trying to cover Janela. It was an interesting little exchange. Huge, huge booze when Blake won this one. Oh, my gosh, man. The cr- um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have the crowd. notes. The crowd's just like, oh. <gasps> <gasps> Like just the groan of the crowd, like no, not this guy again. Which yeah, I enjoyed it, it because I I thought they were playing it in good hearted manner, not like oh god him going to win. I think it was leading towards something, and it I didn't expect it to lean toward what happened at the end of the night, but it was leaning towards something. So I was actually I, I was actually kind of fine with him winning, but I love the crowd's just general like disdain of him. Well, it just felt like the level of talent in this match was a little higher than the average scramble, and yep. it showed. There was a lot of busy exchanges between mostly singles wrestlers. Let's be honest. Most of the people that were in this scrambler, a scrambler, huh? <laughs> Most of the scramble, they were singles wrestlers and it was fantastic. 
again, Janela to me was kind of quiet, but this really, this is starting to be a Blake Christian thing these last couple weeks. And it is really kind of revolving around that heel turn. So oh, I, I really hope it all works out there because he's a good guy. I think Blake's a really nice guy and I really want to see him succeed. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, but yeah, in this match, I was really happy that all the men had a chance to breathe their characters, who they are. They had a stage for a small amount of time, each of them. Yeah. And I, they all delivered. Like I said, this was awesome scramble. I kind of want to see, like, I know we'll see, I think all of them are announced for the Jacob. I don't know about Willie Mack if he's announced for Jacob or not, but everyone else is. But I would like to see kind of like all these competitors one-on-one against each other at some point, because the main one that came to my mind that I don't think we've seen is Willie Mack versus Tony Deppin. Like, I don't know, after seeing those two kind of interact with each other, I think they could tell a very fun, but have a very great match um, either in LA or in ACC or what, or the Atlantic city, wherever. But that those were the two ones. Like I really want to see those two just go at it. Well, the one thing that I think is interesting about the scramble, hint, hint, one problem within the scramble can set up a ton of storylines. One little thing can cause all kinds of things to cascade down. And that hasn't necessarily been utilized in a, in a scramble that I've seen yet, but it's very possible. Oh, yeah, one guy does something and this guy thought he saw this and another lady thought he saw a sheath, you know, saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it can be done. It's going to take a little bit of writing, but absolutely. Usually we see one story come out of a scramble or one, two or three can come out if it's done right. And that would save time. Yeah. And I, I think some possible stories that could come out of this one uh, based off yeah. of Blake getting the victory. I'd, I would like to see kind of Alec Price kind of go at Blake as well. That'd be a fun uh, match to watch those two kind of go at it. Well, I mean, if we're on that route right now, Alec Price needs to meet Leon Slater. Yes. I think that's something yes. needs to go on. And it's two different styles, but I need to see Alec Price up against the Luchador. I don't know who. There's always default Luchadors we go to, but I need to see him against the Luchador and see what he can do because he's damn good with American style. I don't know how much Lucha style I've seen out of him, but he's solid American. Not Not surprised if he's just as solid in Mexican style. Yeah. I, I, that, that is one kind of, uh, type of match. I do want to see him in. Cause as you said, we haven't seen him really much against do a Lucha style. So I, I think he'd be able to hold his own pretty good in a Lucha match, but it would be kind of fun to see him go against gringo or ASF or one of those, uh, Oh, absolutely. The ones that they normally get for commander even would be a fun one going into our fourth match of the evening. It is a four-way women's match as the four competitors are Maki Ito, Billy Starks, Dark Sheik, and Sawyer Wreck. And I thought this was kind of a nice little showcase for the women to kind of show what the women have in store for the year 2023. Um, one kind of name I was surprised was not in here was Ali Catch just because my like her being the focal point of the women, obviously, for all these this time in GCW, I thought it would be a nice way to her be inserted into this match so somehow, but I'm kind of okay with them leaving her off as well. Cause it's showing what is the future of GCW women's division and kind of having another catch in there. It's not saying that she's not going to be part of the future or whatnot, but I think it's time to start showcasing some of the other women. Like these four are of what GCW could do with their women as well 
as the men in the just the booking area and how how to showcase the wrestlers. But these four was was a fun match. I I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more comedic than what kind of happened, but um, surprisingly, it was like a very solid match. It was better than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be kind of more comedy and little like not really storytelling or wrestling but just a lot of comedy spots but there was a little bit of comedy here and there but for the most part all four women came out and kind of put on a great show for the eight mm-hmm. minutes that they had i thought they could have been given a little bit more time to kind of showcase what each one did kind of like how the scramble did in 12 minutes of six competitors so um i definitely was uh happy watching this match so it was, it was a good uh good good way to kind of be a middle part of the pack before the rumble and stuff like that. Well, right now the temperature is Sawyer is the thing. There's a lot of people very happy to see her when she comes out and she's in a situation where she just has to show up and do half of what people have heard. She does. Then she'll do perfectly fine Uh, with Billy. She came out in all black minus the hair. The hair is the basic blue and whatnot that she normally has. I do like the idea of her changing into a different character. And to me, with her in all black, if she changes the hair, either blonde or black, we're looking at a possibility of a Julia Hart House of Black style character, which I'm not against in any way, shape or form. And we have seen, you know, happy Billy for so long. I'm not against a full on deep, dark character out of her just for something different, because why the hell not? It'll it'll stretch her out. Um, uh, creatively, and it might b- maybe be something that she needs to do. But that's that was just my thoughts on her. Uh, Nick Gage, we hear that music, that familiar music. I'm like, oh shit, we got Gage coming out in the middle of this. I thought, okay, he's gonna come out. He may introduce Maki because she won that uh, match that she was supposed to have with Allie if uh, she was gonna be part of the gang. But out comes Maki instead. Very serious look on her face, straight face. People are chanting for her. I absolutely loved it. I honestly see something in this. I really, I really see something in this. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I feel Maki's special. I'm gonna stand by that say, a statement. I really do enjoy her. I think that I don't know. They're onto something. I don't have many words for it. I really enjoy it. I really, really do. And if they stick with it, I think they've solidified Maki in GCW as a main attraction. They're they're really onto something here. And I'm curious as to where it goes. Where's my fucking gang at? She went right <laughs> out of that ring. She marches into it like she's controlling an army. She had great body language. She really had studied how to be commanding and she showed it and it looked good and if we were going to have a female leader she needs to step and walk like she has a commanding you know and even with the broken english as it's all fantastic it sounds good i don't complain one bit you you know exactly what she's saying and um i still honestly love her ever since she was singing at the cardona wedding that's really what put me over was just that special moment so I'm never going to complain when she's in the ring. She she is GCW. I think the fans are just now realizing it. 
And this match even revolved around Maki this whole time. So it was really story driven towards what was going on with her. Yeah, I wish the AC crowd would have like jumped on her like as soon as she made her way through the curtains, like how they do with Nick Gage, just just start mopping yeah, yeah, around. Her. Start. That would have been funny, but <laughs> I think they saw her with the with the pizza cutter, and they're like, "Nope, we are not getting near her with that pizza cutter." After seeing what she did to Ali Catch the night before, um, I love it. Yeah. I love all of it. And then just kind of going back, what I thought during that uh, after her picking up the win alley catch, I was like, maybe they are teasing something here with this match with the pizza cutter, her coming out to MDK. Maybe they could do a little something at the collective with Nick Gage and Maki Ito. That would be fun and entertaining. And as you said, the way this match was kind of built around her and a lot of the stuff, she was the focal point of going, doing all the stuff in this match. Um, I still kind of had that thought going into the, the rumble. And I was wondering how many, if not all these women, if, any of the women were going to be part of the rumble and stuff like that. So I was like, maybe my Maki Ito versus Nick H series, not totally uh, out of left field, but it's still out there somewhere on the left field uh, warning track. Okay. So I'm still thinking about this storyline with Gage and Maki and I'm trying to see how it goes bad. And I just can't see it going bad. Everybody's behind it. I don't know. I just wanted to spend my time blasting across the internet and just saying, I love that storyline and I hope it continues. And it's one of those ones I'm literally invested and interested in to see where it goes. Yeah. And I think I remember like a couple episodes talking and saying like, hey, I hope they start giving her some wins and start doing something with her because it seems like every time she came out here, she just came out here, did the song, did the little headbutt spot and then would take the loss. And that was it. But I'm kind of now ever since kind of the, the Cardona wedding, I'm kind of glad they are showcasing her not just in ring talent, but the comedic side and the promo side and all the stuff that they could do outside of her wrestling, the, all the fun stuff that she could provide to the GCW, uh, just a card in general without even being part of just wrestling, just her, her whole aura about her is kind of a lot. It gets a lot of people, like you said, attached to her and kind of invested mm-hmm. in her and stuff like that. And I, I, I would like to kind of see a Maki Ito, Nick Gage or Maki Ito push in GCW. I'd be all for that. And the fans were behind the the Billy Heat because they were given Billy Bully sucks chance. Bully and I'm sucks. glad. Yeah, and so be it. So I mean, if she's good at it, let's see what she's capable of. There was a nice spot with Sawyer where she built this door bridge with chairs and put Sheik through the door. It was just a fantastic spot. But yeah, I'll just reiterate it. Our winner was Maki Ito with the jumping DDT on Sheik. This match really was centered around Maki, the story of Maki, and, and, and. So they're putting her on a main stage, and it looks good. All of it looks good, and I'm happy for it. I like the mystery. I don't know where this one goes, and it's nice to have... uh, it's nice to have one of those kind of stories where I don't know the ending. Yeah, I, re- I like Sheik's uh, selling during this match, too. There's a couple spots where she sold for Maki Ito. It was kind of uh, entertaining watching her kind of like not oversell it, but trying to make it look, make Maki look a little bit better than what a normal bump d- during that spot would look like. But uh, Dark Sheik's been kind of doing some good stuff uh, lately as well. So it's kind of nice to see her have fun with it and do her best to make Maki look good. And Sawyer Rekt had the same situation. They had the, like the Maki was throwing a bunch of punches at Sawyer and Sawyer just like sitting there laughing at her. And then tries to throw the one big punch. I thought I was like, Oh God, one punch. She's going to knock out Maki Ito. Right. He's done for this match. Uh, yeah. You just said, I think the whole bully starts too. I, we said that I'd like to kind of see her start incorporating that into her character as well, but keep a more straight face than the 
couple times I have seen her in person doing the bully character. She's, as, as we said, like just still laughing and kind of enjoying the moment. Being a kid as she was 17, she's still a kid 18. Mm-hmm. Now 18, it would be kind of nice. So yeah, maybe she's like, yeah, I'm an adult now. Now you get to see who the real me and I'm unfiltered. And this is yeah. what I would have been if it wasn't for my parents. I would be this bully kind of character and stuff like that. And I think they could do a lot of cool stuff with that since Mouse, like her... Uh, uh, her dad is always at the the shows and taking videos and pictures and stuff like that of her maybe interacting with him in kind of a bully type of way could help her character a lot if that's where they kind of go with this road or if they go down this road or not. Overall entertaining match. I did like at the end, boom, Nick Gage's music hits again. Now I'm thinking maybe they're playing that because Maki won. Yep. Nope. We see Gage. He comes out. He's getting the love. He does everything he always does. The fans were loving on him. He gets in the ring and uh, Maki snatches the fucking mic right out of Gage's hands. And it was kind of a surprise moment. She turns to the camera and she goes, it's MDK. And the fans go all fucking day. And that was a nice ending to that segment. I, I really do enjoy it. And I like seeing Nick Gage's reaction, like a little different, little softer side of uh, we get to see that wrinkle of Nick Gage's character and as a person, him kind of enjoying the moment with Maki Ito too. But like I did the last time, like when he kind of cut her off la- <laughs> the night before, I was like, no, we ain't doing this shit again. I was like, oh, maybe he's tired of her bullshit, but he's just he's playing his character good. And I really liked how him giving the rub to Maki Ito is going to only help her out, especially with the GCW crowd. And I think that, as you said, it's going to only elevate her. And I'm very interested to see what happens between the two of them as well. Like, I wonder if they, this, this is just like a one-time only thing, or if they're going to kind of keep on incorporating some form of uh, Nick Gage and Maki Ito, like MDK, kind of like what he did with uh, MDK when he was rolling with uh, murder, death Kylie, when Kylie, uh, (laughs) <laughs> was there for a little bit so i'm like you said i'm i'm invested and i'm interested to see what happens and I, <laughs> maki snatching the mic out of nick gage's hand and giving throwing up the, <laughs> throwing up the the two-finger gang sign uh it was awesome this was fun it's fun seeing two makito enjoy yourself and nick gage enjoy himself as well for our fifth matchup of the evening is a death match as Matt Tremont goes one-on-one with Madman Pondo. And yes, I got to see Madman Pondo go against Tremont. And like I said, I wanted to learn more about Pondo. And I think we even said we wanted to, I wanted to see kind of Madman go against these legends and to kind of see how he, what I've been missing out on and stuff like that. And this, this was fun. This was not as crazy as I not oh, I wasn't anticipating it, but to go it's like super hard and crazy. But for what they provided, it did get crazier than I originally thought because these two would just go at it. They don't care how old they are or what's going on. Like they just it looked like it was kind of like a flashback to a feud that they had as I think you were telling me they feuded in um was it CZW you said, I think? Or am I thinking of someone else? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I could I be don't, someone I'm, else. Yeah, because I can't remember what year Tremont started. He's been around a long time. I'm not 100% if those two have met up in maybe CZW somewhere. But I'm okay. again, you can't quote me. I'm not 100% on Tremont's age. Uh, I might have misheard you, mis, uh, misheard or misunderstood you. But I was still happy to see these two kind of legends go at it and still put on a very bloody, violent death match uh, at this stage of their careers. Okay, so... 
I don't know if you'd realize this, but this was such an old school match. It, it really was. You had old school weapons, old school pacing. I mean, with the weapons, we had a garbage can. We had a stop sign, cinder blocks. It was old school. It was like watching a late 90s death match, which was kind of cool to see. These two put on a late 90s death match. No kidding. The goods and the bads and everything that came with it. That was exactly what it was. I did like that in the beginning, right before this match started, both men hug. It was kind of like, all right, um, mutual respect. That's, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. It seemed like there was mutual respect. So yeah. I like to always do these death matches minute by minute because it gives us a nice rundown of what happened. And I hope to try to tell the story of what these two were trying to do in the ring. So I'm going to go ahead and give my death match rundown. It takes a minute. So sorry, but here we go. So in the opening minute, it starts with a bar style fist fight. Both men are seated in chairs outside the ring um, was where they'd retrieved them from. They eventually go to the outside of the ring light tube onto Pondo's face and Tremont throws a cinder block at Pondo shattering the light tubes in his face. Minute two. Minute two, we have Pondo cut grocery cart that killed Masha the night before it was loaded with light tubes on the front, and he ran it into Matt's head. And at this point, now Matt is bleeding. Minute three, we have Pondo cutting Tremont, bleeding heavier on his forehead and face. Minute four, Matt got his mat cut, his mouth cut with a knife. Pondo's baseball bat blade came out. Tremont grabs a fork and puts it into Pondo's head. Minute five, Matt asks, are we having fun, AC? To which the crowd, of course, absolutely loves it. There are tubes put on Pondo, but instead Pondo grabs a stop sign, puts it on Matt's head, and then throws cinder blocks into the stop sign that was onto Matt's head. Minute seven, cinder block was broken uh, on Matt's hand by bashing it on the fucking ring post. We had Madman Pondo chance. A saw blade was then out, and he ran it up Matt's ass. Minute eight, bulldozer chants were coming out then. A saw blade was then used to cut Matt's forehead, and tubes were kicked into Matt's balls. Minute nine, Tremont falls from the fucking ring. He meant to fall from the ring. However, this part wasn't meant to happen. His leg fell in the plastic garbage can on the outside and he fell and fell flat on his fucking face. And it was hilarious. Not in the bad way because he actually was part of the fall and sold it really well. But that was goddamn funny. Minute 10, there was a stop sign over Tremont's head. Chairs were coming in the ring, a trash can in the ring, a stop sign in the ring that made like a stop sign, garbage can, two tubes, bridge over chairs. I don't know what the fuck was going on. On, but there was probably a lot of drugs involved minute 11 there was a cinder block on matt's balls and then a sledgehammer was used to break the cinder block that takes us to minute 12 pondo was slammed head first onto the stop sign tube trash can build um and that <laughs> and that left with tubes on pondo's head so our winner in this one at just south of the 13 minute mark was Matt Tremont. He had a tube to Pondo's head and that just must have been the killer tube. There was a lot going on for these two veterans. Honestly, in my opinion, they um, they were given more time than I expected. They made good use of it. The pace was 90s. The, the, the whole thing, the names were 90s. The weapons were 90s. The referee stayed the fuck out of the way. It was just so old school GC or old school CZW, no lie. Um, Pondo Chance 
they, he deserves it, man. He's 29 years in. At the end of this, fans were chanting Trey, Mont, Pondo, back and forth, back and forth. This was a total respect match. This is a match that you're not going to see five years from now. Enjoy it. And um, I really did. So I hope others do, too. Yeah, I I loved it because, as you said, or as I was saying, I never really got to into the whole deathmatch stuff, so I kind of missed the prime of Pondo and Tremont as well. But at least with Tremont, he's been doing it a little bit more lately since he's been unretired, and so I kind of got a little bit more familiar with him than I did Pondo. But I love all the creative weapons that they <laughs> they use, like that shopping cart mm-hmm. with, the, with the light tubes on it, and then Pondo pulling out like the knife and cutting Tremont, and Tremont just screaming in the camera, "Fuck, fuck!" Like as he got sliced <laughs> up. Like I enjoyed this match. This was fun. Uh, every cinder block spot though, I did like, I was like, oh god, oh god, and like as it hit, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. like the ch- I, every single one of the cinder block spots, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like I can't believe they did some of this shit. But as you said, it does, it kind of w- looked and felt more like old school, kind of like how I used to kind of see deathmatch wrestling how it was, but obviously I didn't have an appreciation for it as I do now, and the way that these two kind of told the whole story of respect but also wanting to win the match and show that they still kind of had it they're not quite done with it and they had like kind of that rivalry feel it felt like a old school like i respect you but i ain't done yet you're not putting me out to the pasture like we still got a lot to prove here and i want to see these two kind of go at it again like this was fun i watched i love like all the creative spots was just incredible to watch for me because like i missed out on both of these guys's prime so i feel like as you said uh i feel uh grateful that i'm able to watch these two kind of still perform for me in the year 2023 at a pretty high level might not be the highest that they can do or have done but it well, was up there well, to be entertaining that's for sure so here we go how long do you think matt Tremont has been wrestling and how old do you think he is okay i looked it up so don't cheat no i'm not <laughs> hands up um, okay. Okay. I think I, I need to see your toes. No, I can't use my toes. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gross. The only fan sign. That's gross. That's. I was <laughs> gonna say that's the only way to make money these days. Um, I thought I heard Tremont was. I'm gonna say my age, 37, 38. Okay. And how long and, do you think he's been wrestling? Oh shit, wrestling. I'm gonna have to say since he was like 16, so 22 years. Okay, here we go. Matt Tremont is 34 years old. Holy shit, he's young. He is. Yeah, we're talking like he's. No, what it is is he slowed down for uh, Pondo. But he's been wrestling for 15 years. His debut was January 27th of 2007. He was trained by Amy Lee and Doc Diamond. The only thing I remember about Amy Lee was that she had the her finisher was the camel toe clutch. And I thought that was fucking hilarious when I was a kid. But um, wow. Yeah, this guy, his rating has just been climbing and climbing over the years. He averages right now like eight and a half out of 10, which is phenomenal for pretty much any wrestler, let alone a guy on the indie scene who's a deathmatcher. What the fuck are you laughing about over there? <laughs> Camel toe yeah, the, yeah, I know, man. It got me. Oh, so, yeah, so we learned a little bit about Tremont. He's got a lot in the tank. The only problem is, is he's a deathmatch guy, so that kind of takes his age down just a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, at, yeah. at this point right now, he's approaching his prime at 35, you know, roughly that's the prime age 35. He's technically just still approaching and he's already so well advanced that he he's into the promoter trainer stage. Yeah. Um, hell of a mind for the, for wrestling. It seems. I mean, I like the first time I, I'll be honest with you. The first time I heard his name ever was out of Cody Rhodes mouth where Cody Rhodes said they wanted to do a death match in, uh, AEW and he wanted to get Tremont to do it. And I don't know what happened. Oh. Like why anything couldn't happen, but like that was the first time I heard him heard of his name. So then once I found GCW and kind of saw Tremont, uh, how he was then, like a couple years ago, and then now going back to when GCW first started watching like uh the Nick Gage Invitational One, Two, and all those older shows now on Fight CB Plus, um, and seeing him kind of more in his prime back then. I know I, I, mm-hmm. I hate to say even the word prime now because yeah, he's younger than me, so it's not even like he's old. But <laughs> that match, I was, it's just going to slow you down. It's just it ages you. I mean, even at this age, he could probably still move around a thousand times better than I can. Obviously, so uh, I don't want to say in his prime. <laughs> I don't want to say in his prime no more in a derogatory way. But uh, yeah, seeing him how he was back in the original GCW, the Howl days and stuff like that was like. Well, fun to watch, and now I I want to go back and watch Pondo back in when uh whatever he started, and go back and watch him in his prime because these two like even like I said it was a slower paced match. I was I thought it fit it, like it made sense, and it wasn't like it was oh my god it's so slow they're dragging us on they're trying to nope, just get nope. a paycheck. Yeah, they, this was awesome, awesomely paced. Tremont's facial reactions and screaming is. T- <laughs> I love them. Yeah, sometimes it's like okay, you don't really need to go that bad, but I know what he's doing. And then when there's he no does blood. it for pictures too. Have you ever seen him for pictures where he'll cross his eyes and stick his tongue yes. out and go? Well, that's what I was saying. Like he'll do that love and not get bloodied. Like, but at least when he's d- did it during this match, he was already bloodied, so it made yeah awesome yeah. sense. And like I, <laughs> I loved it way more because he was actually bleeding. And it was. For him to do, yeah, that cross-eyed, tongue out, and staring up like uh, George the Animal Steel. That's where he reminds me of when he does those faces, like when he's getting yeah. selling the. And that's fine. And he, like I would have that face too if I was getting carved up, but I wouldn't be selling. <laughs> I would be actually like begging for mercy and stuff like that. Um, okay, so oh shit, I just oh, saw that tr- the trash can spot. I never, I didn't see that live. I just dude, isn't it great? Holy shit! You have what? to, you have to see. It's fucking hilarious. Like it's he just so it good. Like maybe the... it was supposed to happen like that because the way he put yeah, his foot, that was crazy. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, yeah, if you get a chance, watch it. Maybe I'm wrong, and it's a total like thought that he. But it, oh. it didn't look like from the first one. Okay, so like yeah, Pondo like kicks him. He has him in the corner, and kicks the light tube <laughs> into his nuts from behind, and then you see. Matt Tremont jump over, right? And he sees the trash can and fall into it, but... He does? Okay. But it was still good. Like, I still could have ate shit a lot worse than what he probably did, even though he kind of knew what was going on. It was so funny. I love Tremont. I say that all the time. He comes off so tough and rough, but underneath that he has a fantastic penchant for emotion and drama, and he does like to bring that a lot to to these matches that he has, so... I think Tremont, Tremont's special, and I think he's going to be looked at as such a lot more in the next 10 to 20 years. He's got a lot of life ahead of him if he takes care of himself. 20 years, he'll be, you know, less than 55. And he's Come like, on, man. getting in better shape, too. Like, he looks yes. like way better shape than when he originally made his comeback against Onita, I think it was. Like, he's coming back, and he's, like, getting himself in shape. And you see, like, he's enjoying himself, having fun. Wants to work with the younger talent, not just in his promotion, but in GCW and help raise them in GCW and to a higher status. 
in card level and stuff like that. But Madman Pondo too is just I, I like his creativeness of just like what kind of bullshit can I create here that's going to cause the most pain? But we don't know how to uh, fully land this move. But we're just going to go with like he just dives head first into a balls to the wall and he doesn't care. Like we're just going to do it and see what happens and we're going to make it look bloody and entertain these fans who came here to see our blood. And then here's the funny part too. Matt Tremont went out there as the younger guy to fight Pondo as the veteran. And in the end of this thing, Tremont was still putting over Pondo. Yeah. At the end of this, he was pointing to him and clapping and they're like, give this man respect. Like Tremont is putting over almost every damn person he meets. It's like, it's such a classy move. Yes. Um, and Good. I'm going to sidebar for a second. Go ahead and say what you need to say. Cause no, this is going to go off. That's, that's why I love watching him. Cause he's not like, Selfish. I'll be honest. The first time I saw Pondo in GCW ring, like it, he wasn't moving around like that much. And it kind of looked to me like he was just there for a paycheck and kind of with the name and stuff like that. But as you, as I said before, like I'm just ignorant. I don't know his history, how good he was back then. And then you educated me. I saw like one or two matches of him back in the day. Um, it wasn't against Trayma. I was against some other name. Like one match was against a name I never even heard of before. But like he looked really good there. I'm like, okay, so I missed uh-huh. out on Prime. Like maybe he was this. There is not to collect a paycheck, but just kind of give the fans one more hurrah. But since the his first time since I think he was inducted last year. If I'm into the Deathmatch Hall of Fame, if I I could be mistaken. I couldn't. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't but remember. It seems like ever since then, though, whatever stuff he's been doing has been good. And I enjoy it, even though it is a slower pace. It's not like I my mentality has changed. Where I, like, he, no, he's just not there going through the motions and just getting in and out. Kind of like how I said Sandman's kind of seemed like how he did. <laughs> with right, the Ant-Man right. entrance, like Pondo's going in and giving us great performances. And I, I do want to see more of like, not, I don't have to see him like every week or every month but like it would be nice to see like once every three months him kind of do one of these matches with the up-and-coming uh deathmatch wrestler to kind of just either put go go over on the young talent and show like hey he still got it or put the younger talent over and still give the fans an incredibly bloody ultra-violent match because he can still obviously do that and do it at a very high level yeah and pondo is walking deathmatch history I think that needs to be said, if anything, 29 years, he's walking deathmatch history. He is some of the beginning from America. And yeah, he needs to be getting Nick Gage pops because just to have him walk out there, it's incredible. I think personally, and I don't know, but he may have weight problems off and on like Tommy Dreamer, where he goes up and goes down, goes up and goes down where I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Um, That does limit his movement sometimes. But yeah, I appreciate whatever I can see from him, and I noticed that he does struggle with his weight. So from someone who's bigger also, I, I get that, man. And it's not easy, I'm sure, especially as you get older. That can't be easy. Yeah, and see, like, okay. I don't even think the reason he's getting, like, the, uh, the reason why I originally thought that was even because his weight and everything. I thought just... Just by that was off him. of the you thought damage. That was... Yeah, I thought that was just him. Just like the damage that he's been through his entire career, the age obviously getting up there, and like the death match takes double off probably what regular wrestling does, if not more, mm-hmm. because of all the crazy shit that they do day in and day out, and they can never fully recover because of all those injuries and having to go to the next town the next month and stuff like that. I never really thought like the weight was anything. It was just more just like how seeing the age and um 
just seeing the movement stuff, I was like, oh, he's just like one of those lumbering uh, deathmatch guys. That's fi- like it's perfectly fine. You don't need to run around like we see this big, yeah. bigger wrestlers that don't do high flying moves. Like it, it's fine. You don't have to be doing everything. You could just stick to your one lane and do it very good. And he does that. In my opinion, like I said, I, I once you said walking dictionary deathmatch. I want to learn or walking history deathmatch. I want to. I went back and watched two matches. I want to go back and watch some more. Yeah, man, you'd have a good time doing that. Okay, so this was the off topic that I wanted to bring up. It's a GCW show, but you mentioned it, and I don't have a chance to ever talk to anyone about it. So Cody Rhodes, I honestly went from loving him to hating him. Then he goes to WWE. I hated him. Now I love him again. This guy, I don't I don't know. And after you said that he wanted someone like Tremont to come in and do these things and I like him and respect him even more than he had Arn Anderson in there. He had Tully Blanchard in there and I'm an MWA guy from back in the day. I mean, damn. So I just wanted to kind of mention it that I've went from love, hate, love, hate, love again now. And I, I think right now he is the, it sounds funny. He's the American hero. I guess we need, we haven't had that since Cena, since, you know, Hogan. So uh, it's kind of nice. Hopefully, history's repeating itself, and we have something here. Yeah, how crazy would that be to see Tremont like and Nick Gage both on AEW programming? <laughs> well, that's crazy. That's good. What I'm saying though is just what, what Cody's. Yeah, what Cody was saying is to have people like that on was just wow. To even think about putting something like that on TV is just fantastic. But to I'm appreciating the depth that he has that he's willing to put something like that on TV because that's also wrestling. Yeah, that's that's part of wrestling. We can't just have only one or two or three types on TV. There are so many more shit. We didn't even discover Lucha until the 90s mainstream. Yeah, we didn't discover it until the 90s. So I don't know. But I just wanted to kind of mention that because he's coming back soon and I haven't really watched much WWE or AEW, but I honestly feel like AEW lost when he left. I feel like AEW took a loss when CM Punk left. Personally, I'm not, you know. Um, I think they they really dropped the coal the ball on Adam Cole. I think that they let him go. I think that they didn't put him where he was. And I think that WWE has or AEW has really dropped the ball on a couple WWE people. I'm a real big fan of House of Black. I think that's mishandled by AEW because I think they should be dominant. That's our that's our dark creature. That's our evil. And it's not being treated as much as such. I think we talked about Julia Hart just momentarily. I think she's a great figurehead for the group. Um, I don't want to go too far into it, but I just wanted to kind of mention that, uh, yeah, I'm big on Cody. I think he's great. And I understand what CM Punk was trying to do at AEW. And I actually appreciate that because I think he's trying to keep something alive that's at the core of wrestling that is slowly falling away. And I understand that we have to change with the times, but some of the things that we are starting to lose is the storytelling. And that really is where the money comes in. We do, we do buy tickets for gymnastics, but if it becomes too gymnastics, I'll tell you, I've never paid for a ticket to the gymnastics. So we'll see how that goes down. And that's where, you know, I I'm also a cornet person. I listen to him all the time. I, my take on him is that he believes that the time he grew up in was the best. I also believe that if Jim Cornette was born 20 years earlier, he would believe that time would have been the best. It's like a, um, I'm trying to think of the name, the Amish. 
it's like the Amish. They are in the time of the 1660s. It's like that was the time. That's it. And we stop. I can say this because I lived in Amish country. I was raised <laughs> and my mom is married to a Mennonite, which is Amish, but they have electricity and all that stuff. So I kind of know these things, interestingly enough. Um, by the way, my father-in-law, he actually loves Levi's character where he does the the milking. Churn, he does the, the butter churning. Churn. Yeah, he freaking <laughs> loves that shit. He thinks it's so funny. But yeah, I don't know if it was confession or I just wanted to mention it, but I see where Cornet is talking about saving and not exposing the business. But unfortunately, his entire podcast is about exposing the business. So it's kind of interesting in that aspect when I think about it. Yeah, it's but okay it, when it, it profits him, it seems like, but not okay if it's hurting something that he loves. Well, what I'm saying is, is he wants believability in the ring, but the minute you step out of the ring, it's okay to talk about everything. And that's, you know, that kind of... The good news is, is I think only the educated wrestling-wise really listen to him. Or what I mean by that is people aren't... You're, people aren't wrestling fans and listening. You have to, number one, be a wrestling fan. Number two, you have to be of a certain age. And yeah, number I'll three, say, you I have to be. I was just saying, I don't think any new wrestling fans like, oh, I've watched AEW. Oh, Cornette, yeah, let's go listen yeah. to what he says. Like, because they don't know. Like, it's, it's yeah. as you said, it's more of an older, uh, older crowd. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and I get a lot it. of experience with wrestling back in the day than it is now. Yeah, and I get what he's trying to do. I respect what he's trying to do. I think he's even 90 to 95% correct about most of it. And I know he's rough on, say, Effie, and I know he's rough on other things. I I think he's just trying to protect the business as he sees it. But again, if he was born 20 years before that, he would be protecting that business as he saw it in, say, the 60s. Yeah, I and think he would be a completely different business. This is like how we all and, gatekeep our own music. Like, no, music was good back yeah. in my day kind of thing. Like, it's right. a natural thing. Right. And, and I understand because I believe in the storytelling. I believe in the opportunity of selling a chokehold or rest hold. But at the same time, I understand with the way kids are now, if you lay on the fucking ground in a chokehold or a rest hold for 20 seconds, they're on their phones. They could give a shit less. So that's why I think this is also part of that change and the way things are. Uh, but I also believe where Effie was talking and we talked about this on the last one where people are coming to be entertained. So we don't always, always want to see just strictly a wrestling match. But those of us who do get to see him appreciate him. And we get it. Not every show should have 10, 9 straight up wrestling matches. That would be kind of boring after a while. So I get it. There we go. That's my diatribe. And for our main event of the evening, it is the Do or Die Rumble. As 30 participants are in the Rumble and they're vying for the winner gets the next shot. I think they said that wasn't just at the world title. I think it was for any title they said, if I remember correctly. Uh, really? I think so. I, I could be mistaken, but I thought they did say like there's a... It was like a, the way they worded it. That's what made it catch my attention. I was like, "Wait a minute, they could go for any title." So then I was hmm. like, "Okay, whoever wins, I wonder what title they would go for realistically, or are they just going to automatically go for the Nick Gage since he is the world title? That would make the most sense, obviously." Right. Um, but yeah, at least last year we knew though too this was going to be like the main event of like Hammerstein. They didn't say like what event it, the winner would get the title shot. So I was kind of hoping they would make like. Whatever future event that would be would make it kind of feel a little bit more special, kind of like a Hammerstein show. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't, and that's fine. It's still an entertaining <laughs> rumble. Like it, 
Yeah, it wasn't a big deal, but that's what I was kind of like hoping they kind of like just to, for future build up. And now it's like what the next show was. Or I thought maybe they would announce maybe another Hammerstein show at the, during this show, which Ooh, would have been kind of yeah. interesting and fun. But I don't know when they plan on going back there. But the first two participants, which was awesome, in my opinion, was the first one was Jordan Oliver coming out at entrant number one, which I thought was kind of, I think he came out number one last year, too. I'm not if I'm not mistaken, but you could kind of always expect him to be the workhorse of uh, one of these long matches. And right. number two was Leon Slater, which I was like, yes, I get to see both of those two go at it, even if it's for a short amount of time, just to kind of maybe tease as you have in one of your notes and maybe a matchup down the road between these two, because with, as we were saying, Nick Wayne and uh, Leon Slater could have been a little, foreshadowing earlier in the night especially with one and two being those two they could have told a little story earlier with nick wayne and leon but for what it was i enjoyed the the first two participants and the rest of rumble i know you kind of have it uh in order and stuff like that so i'll kind of let you do the rundown and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about during the rumble Alrighty, rock and roll so <laughs> here we go this will be a fun one I am going to give these in order, and that's going to include the elimination. So what I'm going to be giving here will be a basic chronological rundown of what happened in this match. So just to be fair, first off, this match ran 58 minutes and 48 seconds. So we went almost an hour, and it took close to, I believe, 30 minutes to get all of the entrance into the ring. So I'm going to go through as much as I can as long as i can here hopefully i don't die in the process because it is not easy to run through all this but okay let me clear my throat all right number one we had jordan oliver coming out then number two leon slater which is right with my notes where i said both have a good potential match between them i'm really looking forward to seeing something the future looks bright they're youthful as hell it could be fantastic number three one called manders came out number four tony deppen now, this is where I noticed something I did want to mention. At this point, three faces were beating up on Leon Slater. And I thought that was awkward because it's not very face-like. However, at the same time, this is the rumble and every man's for himself. So there's a possibility some face was going to beat on some face because the only guy in there that was a heel was Tony Deppen. So. And he still kind of gets a face reaction, too, depending on where he's at. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's going to be loved till the day he dies. I think that's just the way it's going to be. It's like Ric Flair's Ric Flair when he does his dirty shit. We just we cheer for it. We love it. So number five ended up being Starboy Charlie. And then this is where we have our first elimination. Leon Slater eliminated Tony Deppen at the seven minute mark. Number six came in Marcus Mathers. Number seven, Dylan McKay. Number eight, Nick Wayne. Number nine, Shane Mercer. Shane Mercer came in like a bat out of hell. He eliminated Dylan McKay at 12 minutes and 37 seconds, and he eliminated Marcus Mathers at 12 minutes and 48 seconds, only 11 seconds apart. Then number 10, our entrant here, Sam Stackhouse. I will say that there was a really awesome spot where uh, Mercer did a DVD on St Stackhouse. It was wow. Shane Mercer then eliminates Stackhouse at the 14 minute, 44 second mark. And in at number 11 is Yoya. Shane Mercer quickly eliminates Yoya. He's thrown over the ring post at 16 minutes and 47 seconds. Number 12 coming out CPA. We had two shirts chance coming from the crowd. <laughs> One called Manders then eliminates Shane Mercer at 18 minutes and 57 seconds. 
56 seconds. I'm so sorry for those counting at home. Number 13, Miedo Extremo in his cow gear, carrying a door to the ring. Thank you, Miedo. I love the cow gear. Number 14, Mego comes out. We have Lucha Libre, Lucha Libre chants all over the crowd. Number 15, Ciclope comes out in his cow gear with another door in hand. We're getting Ciclope chants. He got him really heavy, actually. Uh, Miedo Extremo eliminates himself. He was holding his shoulder in the match so i don't believe anyone eliminated him as much as he i went back and watched it he did a thing where he was on all fours for a little while then he went over to the side of the ring rolled underneath the ropes talked to somebody and just walked out no elimination whatsoever yeah i was trying so, to figure that out that night because i was like what happened to miedo i don't remember him getting eliminated and then i think they did later on announce it saying uh he he forfeited i think they said like the, he forfeited hit this match as he eliminated himself by yeah. going underneath and going to get taken care of by the doctor but i didn't see it originally live so i was wondering what happened with that yeah that was a weird one i i just i had to go back check it out see if there was something i missed and yeah nobody eliminated him he just went over to the side and that was kind of the end of it there who the hell knows <laughs> all right so that brings us back to where his partner, Ciclope, eliminated Mako through a door on the outside of the ring. It was a fantastic little spot. That was at 23 minutes and 38 seconds. In comes Carrie Morton. Heavy, heavy booze. Fuck you, Carrie. Carrie basically stays on the outside of the ring like a total heel. He's killing time and people can't stand it. It works perfectly. I think we found what Carrie Morton's good for. He can be a face, but he's a beautiful asshole. And I think he gets it from his dad. I think his dad taught him well, and he does so good. He's another one where anytime he's back now, I'm I'm starting to, I like him. It's like Axton Ray. It took a minute, but now I'm like, oh, damn, he's pretty freaking good. Yeah, he's carry. I think, as you said, I think he found it as a heel. That's what he needs to just keep doing what he's doing, because then he'll get all the booze he wants every town he goes to, and that's better than getting no reaction at all. I'm not saying that he wasn't getting any reaction. I just don't think he was getting uh, near the reaction as a baby face than he is right now working as a heel. And that's, that's, it's been fun to see watching him do it. I kind of hope that he kind of goes, keeps on going with it. I want to see how it progresses into these other matchups with him in the future matchups. Yeah. I just hope to see him continue to grow because I think he's got a lot of upside to him. So number 17 facade comes in number 18. Effie comes in. Effie brings flowers to carry. Carrie ends up grabbing him and beating Effie with them. They fight on the outside of the ring. They stay on the outside of the ring. Effie's thrown into the merch tables. Chaos basically fighting in and out of the ring. So this is satisfying for me because there's shit going on inside of the ring that's super important. And then there is just chaos on the outside of the ring, which I was thoroughly enjoying. I... At this point, I was now fully invested in this. I like to watch, you know, but I mean, I was really like, okay, now gcw style shits everywhere loved it (laughs) number 19 into the ring our entrant was mance warner number 20 alec price number 21 billy starks mance warner then quickly eliminates billy starks at 33 minutes and 50 seconds um i don't know why or whatnot but well planned she's in she's out and so be it Man, uh, one called Manders and Mance Warner then eliminate Starboy Charlie at the 34 minute and 42 second mark. Alec Price eliminates one called Manders at the 34 minute and 52 second mark, only 10 seconds later. Mance Warner then eliminates CPA at the 35 minute and five second mark. Coming in at number 22 was Cole Radrick. Number 23 was Alley Catch. 
Then on the outside of the ring, we're showing uh, Gary Morton just kind of chilling at outside the ring near the cameraman, which was absolutely hilarious. Veda uh, was on on there. She said, I've never seen someone break a sweat so much from just talking shit. Fantastic <laughs> little line. Number 24, Masha Slamovich comes in. Masha comes in in 40 minutes and 27 seconds and eliminates Facade. Number 25, Jimmy Lloyd enters the match. Uh, then Masha Slamovich eliminates Leon Slater at 41 and 06, which was a fantastic run for the young man. Effie then eliminates Kerry Morton, 41-43. It was satisfying. It took forever to get into the ring. And Effie and him had business this whole match. So it was really satisfying to see Effie put him over the edge. Number 26, Dark Sheik came in. Then Effie eliminates Ciclope at 43 minutes and 57 seconds. Willie Mack comes in at number 27. Number 28, John Wayne Murdoch carrying light tubes. John Wayne Murdoch comes in on a tear and then eliminates Alley Catch at 47 minutes, 10 seconds. 21 seconds later, he eliminates Dark Sheik. Then Murdoch turns around and 16 seconds later eliminates Jimmy Lloyd. Murdoch breaks the tubes over Masha's head and Masha kind of rolls out of the ring and off to the side for a while. Matt, number 29, Matt Tremont, which was not too long ago that we'd seen him also. Quite a few people in this match we'd seen earlier in the night. Matt Tremont eliminates John Wayne Murdoch at 48 minutes and 58 seconds to all kinds of cheers. Then Nick Wayne eliminates Willie Mack at 49 minutes and 45 seconds. Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne eliminate Cole Radrick at 50 minutes and two seconds. Number 30, our dreaded heel, Blake Christian. So now, now the rumble is fully gotten underway. Everybody's had a chance to get in the ring and everything's going on. Jordan Oliver eliminates Nick Wayne at 51 minutes and three seconds, which was a very, the crowd was hurt. I felt hurt. I knew what was going on here, but I felt hurt. You know, Jordan Oliver is kind of like, you know, every man for himself, I got to do this. Someone's going to get eliminated on the way to the top. I loved it just because at every other turn and every other match, Jordan's there to protect Nick Wade and helps him out and yes, jumps into yeah. the middle of a fight and breaks it up. And he's, I like up. it. Yeah. So I, I like this little, Hey, it's my turn now. Like this is my chance. It's our, we're, we're singles in this match, not tag team. So I had to do what I had to do to win. And that's where I was thinking, I wonder if this is going to set up any sort of dissension between the East West express, which I really kind of hope not just because they're kind of just getting started. Yeah, they're the just getting West started. Express and like, yeah, fully going into the tag team. But I also know as well that um, Nick Wayne might be getting closer to moving on to AEW. So exactly, I don't know. I like to. I would like if it turns into some sort of story. But if it doesn't, then I don't mind them kind of rolling with the tag team as well. Um, I'm gonna finish this, but let me make a little note because we're gonna talk about this in a second, and I don't mind doing it on the air right here. Let me go ahead and just write a little note down here, and I'm almost finished with GCW. Okay, we're gonna talk about that in a second, right there. All right, so we were at our next one here. We had Matt Tremont eliminating Mance Warner at 52 minutes and 31 seconds. Jordan Oliver then eliminates Matt Tremont at 52 minutes and 35 seconds. Blake Christian eliminates FD at 53 minutes and 39 seconds. Tremont and Mance Warner continue to fight outside of the ring even after they are eliminated. This may lead to something. I kind of hope it does. I think both men are fantastic. They have a similar vibe. It would be great. What's your thoughts on that one? I was kind of thinking the same thing. I, at this point, actually, when Blake entered and Mance Warner were still in, I was like, 
I think Matt's going to win it. I think this is kind of yeah. going to be the little push because it feels like ever since really the bunkhouse brawl. And then uh, if you go back to T- uh, not TOS, uh, the Art of War and that uh, War Games match that they had, I wondered like his he hasn't really done much other than just do the normal SGC kind of matches, get chaotic and that's it. I was wondering at that point, why didn't they kind of push him a little bit more? just off of the momentum he had at Ric Flair's last match. And I was wondering, maybe this will be the spot to kind of get that train rolling again, get the motor behind him of possibly defeating Nick Gage. Because I think he would make a great world champion as well, Mance Warner for GCW. Um, So I was kind of at this point thinking that this might be Mance Warner's night, and I was all for it. But I once he got eliminated and then... Um, it was Tremont and they kind of continued the fight. I was all for that too. I was like, I would like to see them. I, like, <laughs> I want some sort of guidance or like a, a story with Mance Warner. And I, I would be cool with uh, Matt Tremont being a part of that as well. I'm, I'm not against having a little run for him up against Gage at some point. I think Warner needs to meet him on a main stage once. And Warner has all of the talent to put on a great show too. So I think, Maybe at some time, maybe we can have him as just a main event, not a not a major title, cold kind of, but just one of the shows like we have here and there. It would be kind of cool to see Mance get a little handshake at the title. It, it would be fantastic. Yeah. Also, I would like to see a gimmick where maybe there's a guy who he's just like the Rumble King. Like he's someone that that's just his thing is when he enters Rumbles, he's usually going to come out as a dominant figure like Warner could have done. And that's an even better point. I didn't even think about, like, yeah, he won the bunkhouse brawl. Why not win this rumble? I didn't even put those two together. Like, he could have been, yeah, that could have been kind of like his little gimmick or uh, rumble master or something like that. That, that was good. That's Yeah, good the rumble point. king. Like, all hail the rumble king, baby. He comes out. <laughs> when he's in, it's on. Yeah. So I was kind of disappointed I, uh, there was no surprises. You know, I think I think CPA maybe was the surprise. Like there wasn't oh, a lot of real surprises yeah. there. But um, I will say there's a surprise now. I'll leave that one. Yeah. Let me go ahead and put a note on on that one too here. So the ending was a good surprise. Yes, it was. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and get back to this here so we can move on. I don't want to take too long. I was just writing some notes. We're gonna talk about a couple things after this. All right. Well, if you want to. <laughs> okay. Does it sound like I ever not want to talk GCW wrestling? Well, you know, that's true. That's true. (laughs) So Blake then eliminates Jordan Oliver at the 54 minute and 32 second mark, which was kind of a smack in the face to the fans, too. They didn't really like that too well. Here we are with the Alec Price chance. They want Blake eliminated because he is garbage. These two need a singles match together. I would really like to see Alec Price and Blake really go at it. Blake would be the veteran here. He could call the match. But uh, Alec is so over. These two need to meet just for storyline. I mean, just just for solidifying the heel face characters they both have. This would be a match where both of them could earn something here. This could be like Uh, a double switch move, too. Kind of like, because Blake as we will talk about later, like I, I don't think Alec Price is a full face yet, even though he does kind of get that reaction. His character still kind of plays heel. But I thought this, right. like, yeah, I can see a match between those two as kind of being like a cool of way of switching spots. Was like, no, I'm the new face and you're the new heel kind of stuff. But yep. yeah, that, I would definitely want to see those two go at it again. And it's really interesting because with Alec Price, he's kind of a cult figure right now. People love him and they're getting into him and, 
it's just he's still under he's still so underground even on the independent level he's just now starting to rise through the ranks there so i really have my eye on him i believe in him a lot and short of him screwing himself up as long as he puts effort into what he's doing he's gonna bulk up eventually and he'll kind of grow into his body and really really kick ass because his his promo skills are coming along but his fan interactions like 10 out of 10 just absolutely 10 out of 10 he loves to yell at people and all that and now he can't even yell at him because he's won him over yeah fantastic (laughs) so so then blake christian eliminates alec price to heavy fucking booze and that's the 56 minute 44 second part and i did say this went longer than that that's because Blake Christian is standing in the corner. He's playing to the crowd. His music's playing. He thinks he's won this thing. So he's celebrating. And in total wrestling fashion, here comes this head rising out from behind the mat. And I'm like, what in the hell? Well, it's Masha Slamovich. Of course, everyone forgot where did Masha even went. And so she goes over and those two have a fight for about three minutes or so. And Masha goes ahead, hits a combo kick on Blake, knocks him out of the ring and our rumble winner, Masha Slamovich. And wow, was that really interesting. And again, they were heavily behind her this match. We have some new favorites coming to the forefront. I'm starting to notice. And Masha's really giving or she's really getting heavy chance, especially on the East Coast. She's more that East Coast. Again, the attitude. She has that tough kind of fighting at East Coast loves that shit. So yeah, I, I got got on the Blake thing. Once I saw him eliminate Alec Price, I'm like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Not again. Like, yes. I was like, why? But then yeah, once I didn't hear no like music or they didn't really announce a winner, and I you said as you said, Masha just kind of slowly rises. I was like, thank God, because at that point I'm like, anybody but Blake, like, give someone a give a new face a chance if that's what we're gonna do. Somebody and have it be Masha after what she got the night before and everything that she did. Like, that's what I was saying on the last review. I think that night was the night, the new year's Eve night was a night to prepare the fans and getting the crowd over on her. But I wonder also too, if that was maybe a last, not in last minute switch, but they realized, Hey, we might have something here with Masha. And after that performance and the crowd reaction, we could kind of capitalize it. And what better way to do it than the next night. And I think it was perfect the way they did it because, um, well, with Blake Christian, we didn't we didn't go over the winner, but we just uh, with yeah, we just kind of went over. Yeah, it. Sorry, yeah. I, sk- I skipped ahead, but yeah, go ahead and finish. No, it. you're good. Well, you're Masha, good. Masha does uh, pick up the victory. There you go. She eliminates Blake, and then yeah, the crowd just erupted, and as you said, that was a giant pop. That was like kind of the last pop I remember was like Rena when she beat Cologne because it was kind of a stunner yep. to everybody and that yep. was a stunner of out of all the people to win that Rumble Masha did it and not saying that she doesn't deserve it but I don't think that was in anybody's top 10 names so if, if you ask them 10 people out of those 30 that were in there of who you think right. would, would win not what would that you would want to win but who do you think actually will win and I don't think she was on that top 10 but as we kind of talk about uh, maybe Maki and Nick Gage having a little something it's going to be interesting seeing Masha and Nick Gage kind of have uh, match and, and for the GCW title so I'm very interested in where it goes from here but I'm also just like the AC crowd Glad it's anybody but Blake. Not in a personal level, but just as a, I want to see new storylines. Yes, I want to see new matchups, new things, and 
Masha versus Nick Gage is a newer one than Blake Christian going for the world title since we just saw that a couple months ago. No, no, that's a good point. So for me, I want to see him heal up, heal up, heal up and get this shit kicked in by Gage and just one good main event because he'd been beat by Moxley, but he didn't get his shit thoroughly kicked in. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the brawl that Nick Gage will give him. Yeah, for sure. Moxley's capable, but that just wasn't how it kind of went down. Something we touched on earlier that I'm thinking about wondering is GCW does it a little differently, but maybe they're setting up something with Gage doing a mixed tag. Do we possibly have a mixed tag belt coming? Maybe that's. I know that's a weird one. Well, he, like we said, there he did say on the GCW podcast that there is a belt to keep an eye out for a, another possible belt in the future, and it sounded like the near future. I really do think it's got to be a scramble or like we were talking. What does Deppen have to go for? He's fantastic. That man deserves a belt. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm going to I'm going to die on that hill. Honestly, I think he deserves a belt, especially in GCW. Gringo Loco is another name that we said. Gringo Loco. Yeah, well, there's another one. Blake Christian could be chasing that yep. belt right now. Nick Wayne could Jordan, be chasing yep, that belt right now. Names. Alec Price could be chasing that belt right now. Starboy yeah, Charlie. That, I call it middleweight because you know, middleweight belt because you know it's old school, but they've got to call it something. It can't be lucha belt. Yeah, it can't be high flyer belt. It can't be called that. But they need to call it something similar. They could call it. Gosh, I don't know, man. I don't know, Maybe but Alley if they catch, could find kind of a, a North American title, I, I don't know. I kind of like the mixed idea too, because like like they could do something with Alley Catch not being happy with Nick Gage, kind of finding someone else to join yeah. her or possibly quote unquote replace her from the end getting game. replaced exactly. Uh-huh. So she's like, oh, if you're not. <laughs> If you don't not going to respect me and Blake's like kind of like, hey, that's been happening to me. Why don't you join my side? We'll go after the king and you could go after Maki and that, that'd be a cool little story they could tell for a little bit as well as a possible lead up to a match or with now Masha, like maybe Blake and Masha somehow get uh, intertwined here and stuff like that. But I don't think Blake or Masha is going to do anything heel status for a while because just of just eliminating Blake on her own was enough to kind of solidify her as a face in a lot of GCW fans eyes. And then I put on my visor of like the last six months and I'm noticing also, we talked a lot about heels. Look at all these heels we have now. And there are a lot of heels. Heels where they're like, we actually emotionally hate them. Cause every time we see him, it's like, God, like I want to see Blake Christian, but it's like, I wonder what he's going to do today to kind of get the heel. But now, uh, after this elimination from Masha, I interest. I'm very interested. I do want to see Blake, but I want to see the the dastardly Blake, the the down deep. We all really hate him and get the X Pac kind of heat of go away. You're ruining our shit. Kind of have we feel. I feel with Charles Mason like yeah, he's awesome. His character's great, but like hey, don't make me messing up uh, our favorites matches here and stuff like that. No, that that makes sense a lot. Um, yeah. I've said it before. I'll kind of say it again. Blake is going to be a heel through actions, not through microphone work. It's just the way it's going to be for him. He's going to have to go through actions because people don't necessarily always believe what's coming out of his mouth. Because again, they look at him and go, that's a nice guy. Do you want to explain his actions that he did to help solidify this? No, no, you don't want want to say the fun part of this night. No, no, no. I'm going to leave it to you. Well, 
Blake's actions at this point really does uh, lend himself heal as he raises Masha's hand to acknowledge that she's the winner, shakes her hand, then starts walking away, and Masha kind of turns her back on him. And, <laughs> yeah, I won. And then as soon as she turns around, we get the super kick Boom. from hell as Blake just nails her with a super kick, kind of Marty Jannetty, uh, Shawn Michael style, kind of what I originally thought when I saw the kick. I'm like, where's the glass pane to put her through? And Oh, um, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that how Oliver's going to end Wayne? Oh, that would be interesting. I think I fucked up something. Maybe I, maybe I, that maybe I tapped into something that I'm dead serious, <laughs> man. It doesn't have to go through a window, but that would be insane. So that would be kind like, of a, boom. a little middle finger from Brett to Tony Khan as well. It's like, oh, okay, you're going to steal, uh, not work with GCW <laughs> no more. And now you're going to steal one of our young talents. Here you go. We're going to put him through glass right before you, they go see you. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> So I'll get back to that point right there because that's one of the ones that I do want to talk about. I will mention this though. So he goes ahead, delivers the super kick. He kind of stands and not poses, but he looks over the crowd because he wants that. Yeah, he's soaking that in. We're getting fuck you Blake chance from the crowd heavy. So of course, who's going to come in to help Masha? Akira. Akira comes through the crowd like a bat out of hell. He wants to get a hold of Blake. Blake gets over there and it starts to go down. Fight happens. Blake leaves almost immediately to my recollection. He did not want absolutely any piece of Akira. And that was primarily how we spent the the rest of the night. There was they watched Blake kind of back off heel style and and leave for the end of the night. Um, So let's talk about something interesting here. We talk about all these pictures they showed with Lauderdale at WWE and oh, he's going to work with them and da 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 and laughter. You do know that the only one I see actually using GCW talent is AEW. I really do. That's where you see. There you go. But what's the two major players? Yeah. The two major players, everybody goes, oh, you know, it's it's always one or two, one or two. And it seems like AEW is the one that's really doing that. AEW is the one that's allowing some of their talent to work down at our company, you know, because they're worried about injury. I I think maybe Tony Khan would be the one to try to pick up GCW if something were to ever happen, unfortunately. But I think I think I, I'm on a weird one here because if there was a sale at any time, God, Lord forbid anything. I'm just saying it just for fun to talk about. If there was a sale, I know WWE would be a major player for the tape library, but AEW, I think they would use it in a different way. And they would appreciate it more. That I was, think they would keep it alive. Nope, that was the exact statement I was going to say is Tony would appreciate it more because we obviously see what he's doing with Ring of Honor and showing yeah, yeah. showing all like the importance of Ring of Honor and showing the cl- classic clips of past matches with current AEW talent that used to wrestle for uh, Ring of Honor. And he's treating the Ring of Honor pretty good and trying to like as – preserve their legacy at some point while creating a different legacy with mm-hmm. his own vision of ring of honor, which I, I don't mind seeing it. I'm kind of glad he is uh, keeping them alive. And cause I do think there's a place for it, especially with as much yeah. talent as he has and stuff like that. Whereas he has talent like Blake Christian signed to a ring of honor contract. And even though ring of honor is not being used so much at the moment, he's still letting Blake still work for GCW. So it does give me some sort of hope that yeah. he'll let maybe just go over there, but no death matches kind of rule. And I'm all for that because 
that's the one thing I've always loved about Tony Khan. I think he actually did save the wrestling business a lot just because of giving all this talent another place to work while also keeping them pretty happy for the most part of, hey, I'm not using you right now. And so instead of you just sitting here doing nothing, go make your money on the independence. Be safe. Keep the bookings open that I, the dates I need you to. But when I'm not using you, keep, especially for the younger town, like Blake Christian, like right. Wayne, go hone your talent, go get better. It's like, it's kind of like having the wrestling school without actually owning the wrestling school. You're letting all these other companies kind of provide the services to your wrestlers of helping them mold them into better wrestlers and giving them that experience on the indies, just like how any other company would, or not any other company, but what any other wrestler would have to do back in the day anyway. But now he's at least given them some sort of job security. Like seeing Eddie Kingston to go do like Defy shows and stuff like that. And Strickland, that's like just so fucking awesome. Be able to see these big names, still go out and do cool stuff on the indies because that's what's keeping, I think, the indie wrestling alive mm-hmm. is letting these other bigger-name wrestlers possibly show up, and that's getting the fans to show up more of, hey, what kind of possible crazy stuff could happen tonight? Like when as we were talking about Cody Rhodes earlier in the Young Bucks when they would just kind of show up at random independent shows for no reason at all other, just to, mm-hmm. other than just to do it and create a buzz, and I think that just helps out wrestlers, companies, uh, fans, like it's so good what Tony Khan's letting him do for the most part of going on the indies. Um, I get where he felt uncomfortable with Moxie just because of all the injuries that happened to him at that time and stuff like that. So I kind of get it, mm-hmm. but also I'm, I we I tend to forget that he is letting us use Blake Christian and stuff like that. So it is kind of yep. nice he did draw a line to save his own ass while not ruining it for fans and other independent promotions. Okay, so you were talking about saving independent wrestling. I'll tell you exactly what saved independent wrestling because if it was around, ECW would still be around. The internet has saved independent wrestling without the internet we would have less access to aiw mid-south iwa mid-south defy uh hood slam all of these companies and the streaming services in in 1985 would have just relied on whatever was around their area and the locals and people like me would maybe be hearing about it in magazines if we're lucky And that would be it. And there would be fantastic talents that we would maybe hear about in a magazine, but we certainly wouldn't be seeing them unless, of course, we bought a tape or, you know, a DVD or something. And really a lot of that when it came to who was your badass wrestlers was really solidified by who went to the shows and who had the uh, who had the loudest fans outside the ring and word of mouth really really was a big thing i think that the internet has saved companies has saved jobs and it has actually created jobs in the wrestling industry more than stifled them in any way someone can have minimal training and with the right amount of give a damn and marketing can really build themselves into something big a good example would be um danhausen We're all sick of him to a small degree. He's overexposed. But at the same time, he built all that from in his basement, promos on camera, stupidity. And it just absolutely went over. And I love it. 
I'm just saying right now we've seen his face everywhere so much. It's like the rock. It's it's just getting tired of seeing him smile in every fucking and he's always wearing the same brown shirt with the same. Yeah. So I really do think that that should be talked about maybe more in the indies, but the internet is really keeping the indies alive. Let's just say there's a thousand wrestlers out there right now. Without the internet, we'd maybe have 350 to 400. Like that number would go down. It's just the way it is. We have a lot of people out there that really do promote some people that will probably not be big time. And that's okay. Um, but, but yeah, that keeps people's dreams alive too, which I, I do like that. <laughs> that's what I was going to say too. It's like, yeah, but you're letting really? people yeah. still live, live, live their dreams. You're giving a lot more access to wrestling all over the country uh, on the yes. local like territory way, because more, now more people might have heard of them because as you said, the internet, like I think for me, for myself and independent wrestling, mm-hmm. Even though there was YouTube and the internet back in the day, I would, yeah, look up occasionally like ZZW shows. And that's how I got to know Shane Strickland and Adam Cole and stuff originally. And, but I wasn't really on it as much as I am now because now you got IWTV where it's all in one. It's right there. You get the whole backlog, a history of it. You could put it in order, watch it at any time. Fight TV Plus now, getting all these other companies like Wrestling Revolver. Like I, I used to watch the Wrestling Revolver, like, with GCW and stuff. So now for five bucks a month, they're both all together and saving me a lot more mm-hmm. money. So I'm catching up on a lot more wrestling than I would have. So I think a lot of these streaming services did a lot, a uh, very good job of saving independent wrestling as well. And giving the fans a pretty cheap outlet to go and watch all these things for what, five, 10 bucks a month. If you get them both at the same time. And then there's also high spot networks and the, the world title network or so whatever that is like, there's all these different streaming platforms but I'm so glad that they're all around because it has the history and stuff like that of all these shows. Yeah. And it's nice that we have a lot of this because we don't want those tapes lost. And a lot of those tapes do get lost. I'm, I'm not Mr. Wonderful on some things. I need to go look around, but somewhere I'm wondering if there's still active tape trading that's being up converted to digital. I'm betting out there it's happening somewhere. And I'm thinking about getting involved in it because I want to get on one of those lists as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's out there in digital form, but dude, you got to go see ECW on tape with the real music, or you got to just go see a live feed, like somebody who actually recorded the live feed off the pay-per-view with all the shit going wrong before they cut it up and get all the stuff out that, you know, before they clean it up. Just like WWE, the, the best WWE is watching it live because there's so much shit that goes on that when you watch the, the post tape a month later, there's stuff that's always cut out or like Triple H comes out to Metallica. But then you go and buy the freaking you know, DVD and Metallica is not on there on his entrance. It's some shit ass music like you have to almost watch it live and you have to see the fuck ups because they will edit the fuck ups out of the show. If you go watch WWE stuff, if you go watch like WrestleMania, you're like, oh, look at that. Look at that. And then you go back and watch it two months later. You're going to see a lot of the fuck ups they edit out and see, for I, obvious reasons. I kind of just like not disagree, but I don't like watching WWE live like just because you're half the time I'm looking up at the screen the entire time. So oh, I mean, I mean, uh, screen, I brought it. I mean, pay-per-views. No. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Even then, though, it's still you watch a lot. I think nowadays, though, now it's kind of. Like, was it Clash at the Castle felt boom, boom. But kind of felt like AEW-ish where, hey, here's a match. 
done. Here's a video before the next match. Yep. Show what's happening. Yep. Go like it's quick and easy. A lot more in ring time, and that's what I loved about watching old Ring of Honor shows live. There was no yeah, all yeah. that shit was either done post tape and edited the promos backstage or the ones that happened in the ring. There was usually action along with it, but it would be like maybe one or two times a whole night and not like every other segment. And that's what I that's what drew me to actually start watching Ring of Honor in person. Going to the shows was like, hey, this is I'm actually watching wrestling. I'm not watching everything unfold for me. And I'm like when I'm at places, I want to see the wrestling. I don't want to watch the videos and promos and stuff where I know it goes for the storyline, but like WWE, it just takes too long doing it. And even AEW, they they tend to at least not do commercials without in-ring action. They'll run a, yeah. like the in-ring actions going during a commercial. So like as a fan at the building, it didn't feel like I missed anything. Like everything's happening right in front of me where in WWE, like, okay, go to commercial. And then now you watch the same, like then now together forever, same video package that you see 50 times on regular WWE program. So I think in person, oh, I'd rather... that's an idea. Well, good. That's a good idea. I'm sorry I cut it. No, you're good. If there's an intermission, feel free to give me a little box on the bottom with the live feed. Just something to look at if you're just like the bored guy and nobody's around. It's one in the morning. You're watching the show. During intermission, it wouldn't hurt to just give us a small live feed in the bottom just for something to look at to make me feel like I'm still connected to the show. Just me being dumb. But if I had the opportunity, I'd take it. Just like... We said earlier where maybe maybe do Emil's picks and every intermission Emil had hand selected of of match and you watch it. Emil's picks. That's it. Something simple, something small, Uh, because just watching a dead screen for 15 minutes kind of feels old school. And I think things have changed since then. And we could do something better. I I love watching. I know that's critical. I know that's critical. No, like I love what now when I'm watching. AEW, like, or I think WWE now does it too, but the box picture in picture during commercials. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not missing I feel like anything, I'm connected. And I fucking love it because, like, I feel like I've seen the whole match. I didn't miss, oh, moments ago. Like, they still do that, but you still get to see it, like, in picture, at least, like, right, off to the right. side as it happens. And I think their match structure, too, has been affected by that, where they won't go oh, two minute commercial. Let's put on the rest hold for two minutes and get ready for right, when we come right. back live. It's like, no, like they're going at it just as hard as they would on a full screen than they are in picture in picture. Like, and like I've seen some of these bumps and stuff. I'm like, whoa, that happened. That wasn't even a full screen. And they come back and they show it then. But it's like it makes you want to makes you have to watch the entire time, yeah. even if it's in a little picture in picture. Well, the thing is, is that it would also enrich the fans about the history of GCW. You know, hey, did you know this guy was here three years ago rocking the fucking house? Yeah. Do you remember this guy? Yeah. You remember him? I think something like that. Again, I'm I'm always going to go with that. Like I said, with Los Macisos, right before they came back out again for this newest run, they should have had a couple packages showing who they were so that I could have been excited too. Luckily, I fell in love with them. Like I, I realize how, you know, why you were so excited, but um. Yeah, that live feed thing would be cool. And the only other thing would be I would like to hear AEW come out publicly and on TV say, support the indies. 
I yeah. think that would be such a keyed in thing that would give them instant respect with hardcore wrestling fans. Just something that shows, I don't know, how about a video package for one minute and it's just a clip of nothing but independent people doing their shit, flipping and flying and, you know, posing in front of fans, all this stuff. And it's like emotional. And at the end of it, it goes to black and in white letters, it just says support the indies would be fantastic it would look so good it would be such great pr it would go over so well with the fans and it would separate wwe from AEW. there saying look no we're connected we have our ear to the ground and support your indies we support them you know and maybe make dark elevation the indie showcase yeah it's a good idea it's on youtube tv make it free for people free. to learn about these or start watching these competitors at such a young age and yep. Hone their craft in front of live audiences bigger than they would have probably seen on the indies wherever they have the dark elevation. I think it's at like Universal Studios, but I think going back to those videos too during intermissions like of GCW, just a classic match, as you said, it's going to get these fans a lot more like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that show. And then you go back and watch the whole show and you see all these other things that you could have missed and everything. Right, and then right. you're just constantly in the library of Fight TV Plus. But as you said, I really like how GCW is promoting like a, uh, AIW and Wrestling Revolver and Black Label Pro. Mm -hmm. Like when they first did that Fight TV, those were like the big companies that kind of joined Fight TV at the same time. But you see them all kind of not fully promoting the other companies, but like, hey, on Fight TV this weekend, make sure you watch AIW this show, Black Label Pro this show. Like they are working together. And I think that's another great thing that Tony Khan has done too, is work with all these other companies to put all these dream matches for us fans together to celebrate how fucking wrestling awesome can be when you put egos and all these stupid contracts aside and just let, let the workers work wherever they want to work and put on great matches. And like a lot of the egos get put aside of who's the best and best. Like, no, let's put on a best match. We don't care who wins. And I think those shows have been kind of the best ones, like the forbidden door. And just like the other night we saw bandito show up, like I was telling you against Dan, uh, Brian Danielson. And that was one of the top, shit aw five matches i've seen the aw's ever done and that was on free tv uh kushida mm-hmm. cover from new japan going against darby like working with all these companies like i would like to see josh bishop from a aiw kind of come back to gcw and return in his little sid form and like not jcw but yeah, gcw yeah. kind of stuff like see some of these wrestlers <laughs> that in these other promotions show up in gcw and vice versa we see gcw guys all over defy Black Label Pro, Garden State Pro Wrestling, all these wrestling companies all over. You're seeing GCW wrestlers working all them, and it's, I would like to see more bigger names from other companies start showing up in GCW as well. Like JT Dunn was awesome. I loved having JT Dunn in GCW for that, even if it was for that one match against Joey. I wish it would be longer because I think he's super talented enough where he could do a lot of fun stuff for GCW as well. And I no disrespect or anything, but I think GCW's a more well-known wrestling promotion uh, to the casual fan than wrestling revolver would be. No. And I understand that. So something that I've realized that I've seen in almost every industry across the board is that when you have a ride, uh, like a, a huge variety of choices within one thing, eventually we're going to see consolidation. Eventually we're going to see a lot of these companies possibly fall under a specific territory. Maybe there will be a network of indies come around again. Maybe GCW says, look, maybe we all need to work together here. Maybe AEW comes in and goes, look, we all need to work together. But right now, 
technically territories are alive again in the United States for sure. And the internet has created stars without, without all the lights and the glam and everything else to where now you're not just showing company pride. You're going to different companies. You're showing pride in your favorite performer. And that really opens up a lot of options there. So I don't know about the consolidation portion past the fact that we're seeing that with summer falling under IWTV, summer falling under fight. This is the beginning portion of consolidation. If we see five, six different organizations that are streaming multiple wrestling companies, we will see a further consolidation down the road. So stay tuned to that. It will happen. Quite a few companies, I think, are being held up by streaming. No shit. There are some that their profit, the, the butts and seats are paying for whatnot, but the profit sometimes may very well be coming from some of their streaming. And there's quite a few people that they're not getting a lot of money on the streaming, but what they are getting is exposure oh, yep. and that's keeping them alive because I'm looking at AIW going, God damn, man, I need to get down there and see a live show. I would not have said that 30 years ago. And I dude, they were kicking 30 years ago, like crazy. So I just wanted to kind of mention it because we are seeing somewhat of a consolidation, but we're also seeing that it's not just a brand pride anymore. We have that at GCW and we have people at AIW saying AIW, but you don't see this cultish pride that's in GCW. And, and I think it's going to stay there. And like, I'm just speaking on my behalf of myself. Like, I don't know other than some of the major companies, like AW, maybe impact yeah. uh, WWE, like GCW, it's GCW is the only reason I went to New York to see Hammerstein show. Like I'm not going down there to yeah, go see. Yeah. A I'm not going down there to see AEW. I'm not going down there to see WWE. Like I'm going down there because this is a special independent wrestling card, and it's in one of the most world famous, or like wrestling famous arenas. And I've always kind of said I wanted to go to after watching a lot of the shows from ECW there, and. Same thing. I went and I wouldn't do that for any other company. Same thing with St. Louis. Same thing with LA. Like AW was just in LA the other day. And I, I've been AW since day one, like the BTE shows and going to the press conference. I was out here when they announced double or nothing. And they announced they signed Kenny Omega and That's being so out cool. there in the rain and, <laughs> and just like being out there just for a press conference. Like, but I didn't go down to LA to go catch a uh, LA show, uh, AEW. I'll go down there for GCW for the fifth or sixth, seventh, eighth time before I go see yeah. AEW there once. So it's like, as you said, you feel more pride, more territorial, stuff like that. And that's just what GCW has done for me. And I know other fans, I see a lot of other fans are traveling to other places. They're like, hey, I just saw you in LA. Now you're in New York. Or, oh, if I didn't go to the, the Providence show, but I've seen someone that I've seen in LA at the Providence show. So I know yeah. other people are still doing it. Where And these other companies... I don't really see that too often. Yeah, there seems to be a, a thing amongst the fans, too. I think GCW fans really seem to kind of protect and also um, they're just brothers and sisters. That's why I always said with fans, especially with GCW fans, like brothers and sisters, we have to remember that everybody literally has fallen in love with the same thing. We're all in the same building. Enjoy it. What, however you can enjoy it and just, you know, be kind to everyone. But all right, so this brings me to my last one because this one has been overlooked somehow on Twitter and it hasn't been acknowledged by GCW yet, maybe on purpose. Early Morning Guy Steel has shown a complete map straight 
to LA where UCC is. So I don't know how, but this should be exciting news for any GCW fan that had a chance to see early morning guy steal because they are fantastic. I think it's a male. I cannot tell. So I say they, cause I'm not sure, but whoever it is, is tough as tough as all get out because when they last performed out here in Las Vegas, it was extremely hot. And when uh, early morning guy steel bent over to grab, to grab a rope uh, from the top rope, you could see sweat pouring like a cup out of the eye sockets of the mask. So huge respect for early morning guy steel. And I'm really hoping that that means that he's there in February when we're there, but I have a feeling this is for the collective. I yeah. Really do. That screams clusterfuck all over for me, but I am a giant guy still fan. I actually like me too. Did with them at the clusterfuck last year. And then, uh, yeah, the Vegas show was his next appearance that we saw him and the intrigue of who is under that mask. I like when I, we see him, that's all I who's underneath the mask, who's underneath the mask. But I think like because it's been so long, we've seen or heard of him. It's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about him until, as you said, he posted that tweet of him yep. going to UCC. And I was like, holy shit, he's going to be there. Like, that's I'm excited for it just because I want to see who it is, or maybe we could get an unmasking or something or somehow. No, no, I actually, I'm actually. Okay, if it's storyline and it makes sense, yes. But I'm actually okay with how it kind of works where we don't know who that person yeah. is. Yeah, the intrigue is kind of nice to have still there, too. And before we get into our memorable moments of GCW's 56 night, 56 night sorry, um, we did have another kind of breaking announcement, not as big as the other one, but uh, the breaking announcement is now... According to GCW, any future uh, Vikingo match will be broadcast live as it happens on GCW programming. So that's a super good plus after what I was just bitching about the last episode on the podcast. (laughs) Not being able to watch it and how ridiculous that is. Uh, Some sort of deal and arrangement was made, Brett said, and they will be showing Vikingo matches now, which I think is just going to be super fucking awesome for fans to watch and see. Right. And I'm, I'm excited. Uh, as they announced this, I actually went back to see if they put it up on the uh, Till Infinity show and the American mm-hmm. Wanted show, the two shows he's been on since uh, he went to America on this excursion. And they're unfortunately not on there yet. So I'm hoping they either get thrown on there in some way or fashion somehow. But at least we now know that starting... Uh, this weekend, hopefully, it's Thursday night when we're recording this, so hopefully it'll be out before tonight's Friday show or Saturday shows. But for those, whenever you do listen to this podcast, do stay tuned as Vikingo matches will be broadcasted. And for a lot of us, this will be the first time seeing a Vikingo in a person. And that's exciting news for GCW fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know what really was reached there, but somebody worked magic. Because that really stinks. I like that they can get him to work, but without TV. But yeah, that's always a weird one. We win. Yes. We win. Fans win. Yes, we do. And like, like I said, I'm excited for it because I kind of went off of how much I hated that last time <laughs> during interviews no, and stuff. So uh, yeah, I, that my uh, anger was quickly appeased, and I'm now very happy with the Vikingo on GCW programming. Hopefully, uh, they go back and add the last two for. To show all the Vikingo matches that he has done for GCW, because I know they were taping it um, 
still, even though they weren't live, I know they were still being recorded and stuff. So maybe they could edit those in here to these fight TV broadcasts and replays. So that way we all can watch all of Vikingo's GCW matches. We just need to enjoy it while we can, because we are getting some serious talent just in this last year. So much serious talent has come through and then been signed somewhere or elsewhere. And we're fortunate to see him do that before they do move on. So it's just, yeah, to catch 10, some of these, like they come through, they put on these fantastic matches and then off they go. Bandito just recently oh. going gangbusters in AEW right now. Oh my God, please give me Takeshita versus Vikingo somehow, some way at hmm. the collective weekend with DDT. Oh my. No, 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 I not the collective. I won't it. be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. He can do it in February when I'm there. Oh, I'm excited for the February card. Yeah, right. we're doing LA. So if anybody hasn't heard it, we're going to be in LA. That'll be kind of fun. Yes, both of That's us will be fun. there. That'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. No shit. I'm going to have a good time. Looking forward to meeting a lot of people. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing how the stage looks, uh, watching the whole show. I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to it because I think they're pretty good seats. I think it's a fantastic seat. I, I was talking to you about this before. After I've sit on the floor at AEW, I'd much rather sit right like the first seats right off the floor because you're flush with the stage. That's exactly what you have. I think those are going to be, those might end up being our seats eventually too, if it's too wild yeah. because you're unobstructed. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Like, there's literally just people down below me <laughs> or down below the stage. Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah. You can urinate on them. That would be fun. <laughs> what? That will be one of the things thrown at Joey Janela during Collective Weekend, I think. Bottle opus. Yep. The good old fashioned. All right. Going into the, the good old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, the old classic. Everybody uses the old bottle opus. <laughs> Charles Mason better watch out. That's all I gotta say. Oh yeah, <laughs> open threat, open threat. Alrighty, so memorable, memorable moments. Yeah, I'll go over mine just real fast because I only got sure. two or three. Um, and one of them kind of similar with you, Nick Wayne versus Leon. That was yeah. awesome. Like, thank God we got to see that because that was the first match we asked for. Once seeing Leon, we wanted him and Nick and him and Tony, and we got both of them. And hopefully we'll thank see you. a lot more GCW. matches yep, from Leon Slater going against Alec Price or Blake Christian and stuff like that. I can't wait to see what Leon Slater does in GCW. Um, my other memorable, other memorable moment was seeing Blake Christian just full on go heel. That was in my notes. I don't think I got to it. That's what I wrote. So during the, during the scramble, I wrote at the end, once he won, I'm like, okay, he's getting the booze. Please Blake go full dark heel. And then literally within three minutes, I'm adding to that note. I love it <laughs> as he's super right, right. monster right in the face. So I want to see this new version of Blake Krish. I want to see where it goes and I'm excited to watch it kind of grow from here. And I wonder if maybe he's going to interrupt Masha and Nick Gage's title match somehow, some way. Um, and <clears throat> the scram or the, the do or die rumble. It was entertaining. I wish there was kind of a couple surprises here and there, but we did get the one big surprise of, I think two big surprises for me, Masha winning. It was a surprise. Um, I can't wait to see that match. I'm not dis I'm not a disagreeing with the choice of winner, but I, to me it was a surprise. It wasn't on my short list of even ten people that I thought would win that rumble. But I'm glad she's uh, getting that title because she definitely earned it this week. Especially what she did the night before. She kind of stole the show the night before in that tag match against Los Macisos and uh, teaming up with Akira. But 
the big yeah Blake turning heel. I want to see where this goes, and I think with the rumble and the scramble even before that, I think they can do quite a bit of storytelling over these next couple of months heading into Collective to kind of hype up Collective and get some momentum going into Collective because I think a lot of these stories going into it just kind of how it did last year with between Joey Janela and Sean Waltman and Gringo and. Or not Gringo, Psycho Clown and Dos, uh, Dos Wagner. And I think the storylines are going to help the collective and make the collective that more, that much more interesting. And with, as you said, the February show in LA, a uh, month and a half before the collective, I think that is going to be a big show to kind of get that crowd that's probably going to be at the LA show in February and at the collective. It's going to get the mm-hmm. crowd a lot of momentum and heat and a lot of stuff to either cheer or boo for going into collective. And I can't wait because. The investment's going to be there for a lot of fans, and I just hope with all these storylines that they kind of set up that they follow through with it and give us a fun collective that I know that we are probably going to get. Well said, man. Um, Let's see. I may echo a couple things you say here. I actually took up a, took out a couple of my moments because you said it so well. No, 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 no. You said it so well that it, it just made no sense for me to just echo it. Like right down here, I have that the Rumble had some fun spots in it, and that's it, which is damn near what you said so it just kind of made no you know what i mean they're just kind of doubling up on each other on a couple things that's how it went there just wasn't as many matches so we're gonna kind of stumble on each other on a couple of these for me it was the huge alec price reaction i'm a huge fan it's almost like those reaction videos when you hear someone listen to your favorite artist for the first time and you're like oh you know you see their eyes pop and you see them like it feels good to watch someone listen to something and appreciate it for the first time this was one of those things. I was happy to see that Alec Price was getting over as I feel he should be. So I thought that was cool. Willie Mack, same thing. I'm really happy to see that the AC crowd is try- is getting him. I hope that he goes to other places. I think that he would do awesome down south. I think he has that feel to him where I think he would do really good down there. I would be curious to see if he ever has done. I'm sure he has done some work down there, but I think he would be fantastic. The Maki Ito, Nick Gage possible storyline coming up here. About that really excited about that. That was one of the highlights of the night for me, honestly. Um, it was just entertaining. I can't say anything more about it. We had someone come out there who has charisma, and they're doing someone else's charismatic opening. And not only that, but it's with the blessing of that gentleman. So we'll see how this all goes down. Lastly, I wanted to mention that the Tremont-Pondo match was more than I honestly expected. And as an ECW fan, as a fan of 90s and early 2000s deathmatch wrestling, this was exactly what this was all the way down to those old school weapons. It was things that Pondo was comfortable with. And I think that's what was going on here. And obviously, if I was to have someone compliment me in the ring as a deathmatch wrestler, I think Matt Tremont would be one of the top ones on that list. So... That's why I wanted to mention that as my last one of the night. Surprisingly, the old school match that most people thought maybe was a little slow or whatnot, that really hit it for me because what's it, what's, what's the best way to put it? Your grandma makes something that you used to eat when you were growing up that you love, but then you have your kids try it. They're like, dad, that tastes like shit. Like Great Ax- example. Accent rate my- grandma sandwich. Well, my my, uh, my father-in-law, he was real big because he's older. Back in the day, they used to have some real creative shit done with Jello. 
And one of the things they did with Jello was they mixed it with cottage cheese and some kind of fruit. And to me, that didn't sound right, but he got it. He ate it. It was great. I had some. I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's really for me. And then later on, I kind of got it. But that's one of those examples where, like, I didn't realize because I was on a farm. Like, I used to eat pig's feet. And then I realized I'm eating fucking pig's feet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, little things like that. I used to eat hearts and gizzards. Do you remember that from chickens? Do you ever have that fried hearts or gizzards like the insides? See, that's farm Ooh, shit right I've there. You ever had that. Yeah, that's poor people shit. So basically they take the insides of the chicken and as long as it was edible, they would literally roll it in flour, deep fry it and you'd eat it. And I had no understanding that I was literally eating the heart of a chicken until I got a little older and was like, oh, my God, I was eating that shit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Hearts and gizzards is what they'd call it. You could buy it at uh, stores sometimes even. But Interesting. anyway, yeah, that was a nice little go off the topic. But uh, yeah, that was GCW 56 nights. We're slowly getting caught up, man. Yes, we are playing catch up here. We do have GCW's. I believe it saved me as yeah. our next uh one of our next shows to watch and review um and then i know yeah this weekend there's three more shows so bear with this we are going to be playing catch up we might be behind here but we do know there's a couple soft spots in their gcw schedule coming up here yeah or hopefully we will be all caught up there and uh be kind of back on our normal schedule hopefully with uh everything that i have going on on, our, on my end as well so um well, well it's, it's a little light in february yeah so if we pace ourselves out with the shows then we can supplement to where people have entertainment with wrestling and then hopefully they're entertained by us and we can kind of you know supplement here and there to kind of get all the fans through until the next show yeah that's what i'd like to do just you know what i mean because there's only a, did you see that february is a little light i didn't go back and see it yet but i saw like yeah, only it's, two there's weekends, right i think there's only yeah two. there isn't much yeah, so to supplement, I figured, yeah, we'll just stretch it out a little, and that actually makes good use of what you got going on. And yeah. I'm back in school right now. For anyone who doesn't know, so I'm attending college right now. So <laughs> I'm glad I've we got cranked work, out college and then this too. So I'm glad. Oh, no, we... <laughs> no, just we're both tired. Go for yeah. it, brother. No, I'm just saying I'm glad we kind of cranked out what we did over uh, my school vacation, and you were kind of done with school at that same time too. So I'm kind of yep. glad we did all those episodes during those two weeks we can because. Uh... Obviously, life threw a curveball, and uh, now we're playing catch-up so and it. fouling so it off. It. It's fine. So be it. You're rolling with the punches. That's that's all that matters in this whole thing. But, yes. yeah, um, let's see. We've talked about almost everything we could talk about. Uh, I just always say thank you to everyone. I'm yes. always thankful. Everyone is so damn nice, dude. Everyone's just, so nice. They have so many nice things to say. Yes, I was just about to say on your tweet, you got a lot of um, comments about the podcast. And so like uh, those fans out there listening, like even those little – things that you respond into the tweets and uh, just make little comments here. lets us know that you are listening other than the numbers and uh, getting a little feedback. It is feeling nice to either positive or negative feedback. At least we're uh, getting it from the fans. It's been mostly positive. I haven't really seen anything negative, but it has been no, nice. Just no. kind of nice. Uh, people that are listening are just letting us know that they are out there and interacting with their stuff and listening. So that uh, always motivates us more and always makes us feel like what we're doing is the right thing. And, it just feels nice to kind of see the positive, uh, yeah. positive feedback. Fellow fans have been awesome. Wrestlers have been awesome. GCW has been awesome to us. We're just going to keep plugging away and see how it goes. But I mean, we've got nothing but nice things to say, uh, usually as much as possible. And um, everything's had, everybody's been mostly 
saying nice things back. So uh, everybody's on an even nice playing field right now. We're all playing ball nicely together. But <laughs> we're actually happy and things are good. So hopefully people keep paying attention. And uh, we never know how many we're talking to, but we do appreciate it. So we see Los Angeles is way lit up a lot. We see Vegas. We see Brussels, right? Brussels, yeah, Brussels. Who else do we see? New York, UK. I think we saw. Show was a got a lot of lot of listen there. That was like our leader for a while. Was the UK six out of seven continents? We see that there are people listening in Europe, Asia, Australia. We fucking love you, man. That's awesome. And I found out Antarctica because last time we talked about this on uh, the podcast, I got totally lost and confused and did not know where Antarctica was when you were talking about. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Brain freeze, man. Remember I said I was like, oh my god, I'm so blind. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's one right there. Like, oh my god, that's Australia. Yeah, a little brain freeze. That's Uh, why I'm a PE teacher, not a geography teacher. That's all right. That's okay. Yeah, I I don't know if we'll able be if we'll uh, be able to get a listener in Antarctica, but that was cool. That would be uh that would be the one that would make us feel really special so i'll give you something cool just because i had talked to a guy i've known for a long time he was a guy who worked down in antarctica he was one of those people that would take and get a core sample of ice i don't know if you've ever seen that before but basically they'll take this long rod and this thing can go hundreds of feet sometimes and you have you ever done it you ever seen an apple core yeah you know what that is right Um same thing they'll put it down in and then they'll spin it around and what will happen is they'll cut out a perfect sliver of ice that could go for 20 feet sometimes and what they do is they'll go down through the ice and they'll check it out and it tells us about our atmosphere for the last 10,000 20 30,000 years based upon the composition of the ice so it was kind of cool just to tell you that there was one time where they had I forget what dignitary come down and he was bragging because he brought this 300 uh, year old wine and they're like, oh, that's cool. Let me go ahead and get some ice real quick. And they went and got their oldest ice and they ended up having 300 some year old wine on 50 some thousand year old ice that just it huh. hadn't seen our atmosphere. And they went and they pulled it out and cut a chunk off. And that was the first time it had seen our whatnot for like 50 some thousand years. And the guy thought it was the coolest shit ever. That, that is one so, hell of a brag. That's dumb sure. story, D- dumb story, but something cool. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my only Antarctica story. I don't think I know anything else. Maybe happy feet or was that Arctic? Who knows? Yeah. We're not oh, going to talk about happy feet on the GCW show, but come on. Yeah. we got the ultraviolet happy feet uh, sequel coming out. You didn't hear about that? Like, no, uh, like the pan- starring Tony like Winnie Deppin. The Pooh, uh, Winnie the Pooh sequel, uh, oh, sequel that's, that's coming out. <laughs> isn't that the one that they turning into a scary movie? That's what I was saying. We're doing, that's what happy yeah. feet is. Happy feet. GCW style is going to be a happy feet. <laughs> Oh Jesus! The Antarctic Awakening. <laughs> you ready, brother? Yeah. You ready to do this? Them out. Uh, just real fast to big. Oh yeah. Just a big rest in peace to Jay Briscoe again. I don't want that to be forgotten here. Yes. Um. But yeah. Uh. Just always give your hug- loved ones a big hug and say I love you because you just never know. And it's just unfortunate that this great young talent Jay Briscoe was taken from us. And uh, just hopefully we did him right by everything because he. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I don't know where to go from there. I'm cutting this part out, so no matter. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, right. I'm good with that. You ready to send them out? Let's send them out here. All righty. Let's see what happens right. this time. 2023. We got this. We have okay, a whole ready? year of practice. <laughs> okay. Long. Oh, we already fucked live. it up. Okay. Live. <laughs>
G C W W. See you later, boys, girls, everybody. Reach for the sky, boy. I'm gonna go